5: It's been 50 whole years since the world was introduced to Roger Moore as 007. Live and Let Die was an instant classic, and its reputation as a Bond film has stood the test of time. After Sean said goodbye for the second time with Diamonds Are Forever, there were genuine worries that the public wouldn't take to a different actor donning the famous dinner jacket. Although Honor Majesty's Secret Service is now rightly regarded as one of the finest outings, the public didn't quite take to George Lazenby and producers needed a long-term replacement. Roger was always in the running from the beginning and seemed destined to play the part. So this was more of a coronation and he eased into the role from his very first scene. Yes, he's with a lady. And in fact, I had a great time meeting Madeline Smith who played Miss Caruso in that rather amusing scene. But this was a very different Bond film, in many ways, to what had come before, and what came after. The only one which contained supernatural elements, with its spooky voodoo themes. The influence of exploitation was evident, and it was great to see the series' first, and only, black main villain. The first black Bond girl that Bond kissed, and a stunning array of character actors filling out the supporting cast. Like most of our favourite Bond films, it had a mix of the deadly serious and the truly ridiculous. It also gave the world Sheriff J.W. Pepper, and whatever people think of him now, he was very popular at the time. There are so many things to enjoy, it's no wonder that it was a huge hit at the box office and continues to entertain audiences today. So to celebrate the anniversary, we gathered to discuss why we love the film so much, and it was great to have so many of you contribute with your thoughts. First off, myself, my brothers Harry and Math, John, Steve Clamp, and Bob Foster. Bob, did you watch *Live and Let it Die* at the cinema? Yes. Brilliant! Oh, Wow. Right, this is- um, that.
6: That's amazing. That is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I say my first film on its original run was *The Man with the Golden Gun*, and then they showed a rerun of *Live and Let it Die* in the second. Well, it would be, it to be 75 because uh, Golden Gun came out at Christmas 74. So uh, I saw uh, Live and Let Die about March, April 75. In the same year I think they then started reshowing. they did the double bills of Dr No and Goldfinger and From Russia and Love and You Only Live Twice. But I only saw Dr No and Goldfinger on that run, but, so River Let Die was my second film that I saw. So, yeah, so I was wow. I was quite knocked out by it actually because I, obviously I'd already seen Roger. I hadn't seen I hadn't seen Connery. Uh, I wasn't really aware of John Barry then, so which is why I think I still uh, hold George Martin's score so high, even though mm. he did do a very very good job uh, yeah. because it was my second film. It obviously brings a lot of memories back. I've mm-hmm. seen it originally, like so. Right. Hasn't anybody else seen it apart from this obviously latest run? Hasn't anybody else seen it at the cinema on its original? I didn't. I, I didn't
1: mean, see it on the on this run or on its original release. Um, I did watch it last week on on the big telly, but uh, no, sadly, I've never seen it on the big screen.
5: Well, what was your first experience of it though, Steve? Did you see it on video then?
1: Yeah, It would have been on ITV. On on whenever it was shown, Um, and then yeah, when I got the original, when they did the VHS releases, it would have been the when they did. Do you remember they did the VHS releases? But they didn't. They sort of. It was really random. The films they started releasing. I remember that there was um, like there was one Dalton one out. There was three or four more ones. There. It was really weird. They didn't release them in any particular order. Eventually, the whole set existed, but they didn't seem to have any sense about the order. It was that that set of videos I got. And I remember the license to kill one with Dalton had a really rubbish picture of Dalton, which looked nothing like him on the front. But um yeah, yeah that that was when I got on video. Ooh. But yeah, it would have been on ITV when I first saw it and probably recorded it as well. W- was w- it like... Would
6: that have been the eighties then?
1: Or oh yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. um probably sort of mid to late eighties yeah. when I am really getting into Bond. Um I started I, I know I was quite into Bond around a view to a kill because I had a view to a kill posters. That's my kind of first memory. It's my first memory is the posters rather than actually watching the films. But I think that's just how your childhood brain remembers things, isn't
5: it? Very much like our older brother James. But he he had the posters, and I think we had that collection of Living Daylights on video, perhaps. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was lovely.
7: I
8: I wanted just to to answer Bob really that to say that um I did see it in the run uh, last time, and I took my whole family, my kids, and the whole lot. Yeah.
7: Um
8: and um. They they adored it. They absolutely mm. adored it. They sat stock still for the whole time, uh, and it was obviously like an eight pm showing at the Trafford Centre. Um, youngest one was four at the time; eldest was eleven, and they would just loved every minute. It was back when um uh, James Bond had a bit of something for everybody, <laughs> oh. <laughs> So there's so much for them all to enjoy. Um, Mrs. Parker enjoyed it as well. So it was absolutely fabulous. But my my relationship with Live and Let Die uh, would go back to (laughs) Grandad's VHSs that he used to bring out on a Sunday afternoon before Sunday. So, you know, the adults would be taking it in turn in the kitchen, putting the Yorkshire puds and the beef on and the chicken on and all that kind of stuff. And then we'd be, you know, the kids would be out in the living room with in front of their telly with uh, the VHS collection that Grandad had, of which... Roger Moore's and Sean Connery's James Bonds were just all over them. He never, so this would have been about nineteen eighty nine, possibly something like that. Mm. He didn't have any Daltons at all, Um, but again, probably too recent. Really, they might not have seen, you know, terrestrial television airtime possibly by that point. Um, And I remember seeing this, and I just like, I remember thinking that the the opening with uh, the opening introduction of James Bond was quite different because of he's not in action in this one mm. well he is in a different way I suppose <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, he's not you know, not, you know uh, it's not the tail end of a mission for example or whatever and I, I just remember um, seeing Roger thinking how young Roger looked compared to the later ones because I saw this comparatively late to say Octopus is spy Who by Me," moonraker um, and um, just thinking like wow flipping heck this guy's James Bond isn't he
7: yeah you know, that's Ooh. pretty much it really <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and obviously
8: loving it absolutely loving it. I think it's a broader point to say that in 1980s England watching this on television was quite seismic in my understanding mm. of racial harmony. I guess.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
8: seriously I'm not, yeah. being, I'm not uh, I'm that, I don't want that to come across as either shallow or facetious or anything like that like I'm trying to make a big point but this was quite it was quite something in the in the 80s this. Um and it, it certainly for myself, it, it set amazing sort of um, standards and a benchmark about what to expect about that kind of thing in cinema, which resonated with me back then and still does today.
5: At the time, Bob, was it at all were people like, I don't know whether you remember because you've been young, but, mm. uh, you know, bombed the first kiss with a black woman, things like this and loads of black actors in it.
6: No, not not that I can remember. I say I don't think I'd have noticed isn't what I'm gonna say when I saw it, I'd have been fourteen. I can't remember anything being said about it at all. It's good though, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, but, it is. But, but to put them into to...
4: a, a film, you know, like a film like this, <laughs> yeah, with a, a white Caucasian hero, hmm. it's quite a big big thing in itself rather than hmm. you know, you know. It's just being a principally black cast.
1: Arguments, I suppose, are made that you've got to have positive role models who are black. Mm. And obviously um, this film does have the agent working with uh, Felix, who's great. Scutter. Um, yeah. Scutter,
5: yeah. Um,
1: but you've obviously got a lot of what could be perceived as negative um, black mm. role models. And I think that's often yeah. been the issue. It's not mm. just having black people on film and television. It's having them in positive yeah. It's but obviously, it fits with this story. I'm not getting this film at all. I don't no, mean, no, no. To, to
9: my mind, my small mm. mind, it doesn't do, do anything
1: wrong. But I, I just made that point, really.
9: So Live and Let Die is the first James Bond film I ever saw. I went on a school trip in year six, like my last year of primary school, to Whitby. And we had this curfew that you had to go into your room at eight o'clock. And there was four of us in a room. Like, you know, when you're 11 year old, you're not going to go to bed at eight o'clock. So we turned the telly on. And it was a Wednesday night and it was the ITV and, and Live and Let Die started. And I I wasn't massively into it. I hadn't really heard of James Bond very much. And then I was flitting in and out. And then I remember vividly, it was Roger with Rosie Carver and the scene with the music going on, the scarecrows like turning around and then the scarecrows killing Rosie there. And I remember this 11-year-old boy in me was just like, what is this world that I am entering? This was nothing like I'd seen before. And I didn't watch all that much of it after that. You know, I maybe watched another 20 minutes, 30 minutes, but that got me intrigued. And then from that point, right, next week, I've got to watch James Bond. And and I remember from that, that Live and Let Die was that very first point that got me into Bond. Six weeks ago, I was actually in Whitby. I, I went on holiday there. Um, it was my choice to watch the film at night, and I said to my wife Rachel, "I'm really sorry, but we're going to have to watch *Living Like Die* <laughs> in Whitby." So, so we watched it. My wife, she's been watching them quite a bit with me recently, which is some major breakthrough. She was just like, "This film is completely and utterly." bonkers like and and it was quite it was quite interesting because i don't see it like that because i just adore it so much but to have this outsider just come and watch it and she's like i'm really enjoying this i really like this film it's not a case of that but this is crazy and i think that and i think that that is the reality of it is, is that yeah we, we can look at things with a uh, a 21st century perspective and we can look and go, that's problematic. That could have been better, etc. But for the period of time it was, the imagination that is going on with this film, the mm. characterization yeah. it's a mind-blowingly imaginative film. And I don't think that I have given it as much credit as I should have done. I think I was like, yeah, it's my first film. But then after that, it's like that's it. You know, it's my first film, it's always been I love it, but it's middle of my rankings. And recently I've just been thinking to myself, you no, know, Live and Let Die is amazing. And and I think I said it on a podcast with them recently. For me, and I know there have to be a lot of changes and stuff, but if you want a blueprint of what the next Bond film should be like, go to Live and Let Die for me. I think because I think that the characterization of what is going on there and the adventure is just so far removed from what we've previously been having in the last few Bond films. I think that's why it appeals so much to kids as well.
5: And it did to us as kids when we were growing up. That doesn't mean it's a children's film at all. It just means there's so much going on that it's so, so accessible in that way. There's so many interesting characters and,
9: I I totally agree with you with that. I I mean, if you said to me, what films would I recommend, would you recommend as a kid, for kids, I'd go Octopussy Moonraker, Live and Let Die. And yeah, Live and Let Die is pretty much the only supernatural James Bond film. Mm, You know, it's all about voodoo worship. black magic. Black magic. And if it's not about voodoo worship, that's a cover-up for heroin growing and smuggling. (laughs) You know, it's, it's just not a kid's film, and yet it is. And It's oh, like, like octopus; it's deadly
8: serious. Yeah. <laughs> deadly serious. Despite the bits and pieces on the, you know, the layerings and the coverings over there,
7: it's deadly serious,
5: <laughs> this stuff. There's there's, so, there's, multiple things going on, aren't there? Which makes it a little bit more, it's not a basic heroin film, is it? It's not a terrible no. no. war <laughs> film. There's loads more to it than that. <laughs> Harry, I I mean, I didn't realise how much you love Live and Let it Die until he sort of became <laughs> almost outspoken in, in the love... In the, well, since we're doing the podcast, but not that we don't love it ourselves, but I, you know, our, it's not it's a brilliant. basic heroin film. <laughs> <laughs> heroin, you know, it's always a basic
10: heroin. <laughs> um, yes, I absolutely love this film. I think the this idea that I speak up for it is only because when we started this podcast, I think it was just a while before we mentioned it, or it was a while before we thought. Well, this is I it. This is the first time you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it, I think it's partly because it is a special film, and everyone knows it's a special film, kind of. And it's not in the same way where people, you know, well, it's a little bit similar to Goldfinger, as in you know, people know it's worth, so there's no real need to revisit it. The other thing, the thing I, I think, as a child growing, up, obviously I didn't see it when it originally came came out, but as a child, it's got all the things we've discussed. And as well as that, it's just extremely cool, isn't it? You know, you've got characters who are so very, very cool. You know, Kananga Tihi, unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Tihi is an underrated character who absolutely captures your imagination as a child. And he's so fun to, to watch. And, you know, it's not just what he looks like in terms of his arm, but in terms of his characters, absolutely brilliant. And then the music and the theme song is just so cool. Yeah, was, it's it's mm. it's so exciting, thrilling, and action-packed. Amazing locations. When we were younger, we weren't unaware of horror. shall I say we we did watch the odd <laughs> horror as children, fairly inappropriately. Oh, too much, yeah, yeah, yeah. And with with that element, I think even that was exciting and like, and you know that the idea of snakes was sort of linked to your childhood <laughs> memories of Indiana Jones and things like that. It's it's all those things you love to see as a child. And I, I've not shown it my daughter yet, but I'm absolutely certain she'll be blown away by it because a bit like John mentioned with his wife, the, and I, I can't remember if I've mentioned it on another episode, but my wife isn't into Bond at all. But I was just watching Live and Let Die. I can't remember what the occasion was just by myself. And it was the scene where, you know, he's stranded on that, island and surrounded yeah. by crocodiles. And I watched that and I thought, that is unbelievable. And then my wife came in and I thought, right, I'm pausing that and I'm rewinding the whole thing and let's watch it. And I was like, you you know, you don't need to commit to the whole film, just watch this five, ten minutes and watch it through. And she was really hooked and impressed and amazed by it. And it's things like that, set pieces like that, which are just incredible. They're iconic now, but to watch at the time as children, even as adults, knowing... That it's a real, real stunt done for real, it's astonishing. Yeah, and I think like I can't like my our children now. I'm speaking on everyone's behalf, kind of you know. There's there's so much stuff available to them, like on Netflix and Prime, where amazing things happen. You know, like for example, we're watching the new Peter Pan thing on Disney the other day. You know, there's a floating ship and stuff, which is um, amazing. But you know, it's CGI. The children don't yeah. know that it's CGI. They don't really talk about how amazing it is. that I think by CGI, children accept a lot mm. and they don't question it. they don't label it or anything like that. They're just there's a world created for children's films now where everything's possible, anything's possible kind of. But I definitely definitely think when they watch something like a stunt guy using real alligators and crocodiles as stepping stones. Even if they can't place it, they will know that that is breathtaking. There's something there that mm. is actually dangerous and actually real. They don't know about the world of stunts and things like that, but there'll, there'll be something there that they'll be able to define the difference there between the CGI children's world and a real action stunt like that with animals. And I think it's special moments like that that make these Bond films, especially *Living That Let Die, so memorable and iconic
5: behind the stunts, of course, John Orty. when we did our episode on stunts. And this is one of the sort of first proper daring stunts, you could say.
7: Hmm. No, it's mm-hmm. not
5: dangling a thousand feet on the back of a plane or anything like that. I, I just remember John sort of said, I said, have, have, have we ever seen anything like this before or since? And he said, again, no, because oh, that was the whole yeah, point yeah, then. <laughs> do something that you've never seen before, and then oh, well, you don't never need to do it again, do you? Do and that's yeah. really that, that, that runs throughout the whole film. There's so many weird things that no don't do them again because of that indelible with this film
1: what you said there harry about cgi so true you could imagine a, a a scene like that in a film starring the rock couldn't you i mean it's, it's perfect it runs across the top of crocodile head yeah. of course yeah. it would be done with cgi they would shoot it from all sorts of clever angles and it would be you know 10 seconds and you'd kind of go oh that's quite fun you wouldn't be impressed you'd, you'd think yes yeah. yeah yeah but yeah. when you watch this, the shot lasts, what, two seconds? It's incredibly brief, because obviously you can't be standing on the heads for very long. <laughs> uh, in that flash, in that moment, it, it is t- as you say, everything you said takes your breath away. And it wouldn't be done like yeah. that now. Probably not even in a Bond film, sadly, because of the way CGI is used so much now, which is a real shame. Maybe they'll go back to the real stuff uh, in the next films. But um, certainly you could you could see it in any other Hollywood picture. Uh, and yeah, at... it's CGI now.
10: And the stunt gets the build-up you need, because... First of all, you're panicking. Like, how can he possibly escape from this?
5: Yeah, and shot. then it's
10: so well done that he uses his, you know, his gizmos, his gadget, the magnetic watch. And ah, oh, you know, typical James yeah. Bond. A gadget saves the day. And then, yeah. oh my word, it's not worked. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh or, yeah. wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like now, now I'm a little bit worried. What possible way is there for him to get out of this? And it's not a gadget. It's Kind of the the cheek, cheek of Bond, the, yeah. the, oh, the, yeah. do you know what I mean, it's His the width, tenacity, it's... yeah, yeah, Only um, yeah, exactly and it's
9: so surprising. It's the oh, execution God. of it as well though, isn't it, because yeah. it's like, you, it's, you've got to do one step, one step, alternate, and, and one misstep, one pause, yeah. and you're a goner.
1: The stuntman did get caught, didn't he,
4: by one of them? Yeah, there were a
6: couple yeah, of times. Yeah, it, yeah. Yeah.
4: Shoot, <laughs> yeah, but we won't see this again because because of probably quite rightly because of the danger and I think you know laws and regulations and things like that, both for the animals and and on films. But in fact, you know, it was a nice nod to it in Skyfall where he he yeah. uses the Komodo dragon as a stepping stone. Yeah, but obviously in that. Everyone's aware that it's CGI. You know, probably quite right. I mean, I don't know, you know, but you you know, for that bit, you don't you don't love it because it's a really dangerous stunt. It's because of it's a nice Bond touch that yeah. that is a nod mm-hmm. to live and Let Die and to Bond's
5: wits in general. Yeah. yeah. So Skyfall's the only other supernatural Bond film, isn't it? <laughs>
10: oh, Dragons.
7: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move
5: on to Roger's performance because I I know Bob didn't see it as his first Roger film, but this was quite a a big moment in the franchise because you'd had the final, what we thought was the final Sean film with, Fiori, sorry, You Only Live Twice. Then at the time it was George and Honour Majesty's, and it didn't, it was a different film. It was a one-off. It did do okay, but it didn't do anything like as well as they wanted it to. And of course we ended up, right, we'll get Sean back. And after that was a massive success at the time, Diamonds. They must have been worried, well, is this ever going to work without Sean? Long term, only Roger could have done it because there was, again, a bit of a coronation, wasn't it? He'd been the Saints and he'd been in audiences' eyes on TV and he'd always been talked about as a potential Bond. And the way he eases into this film, there's no way, as kids when you grow up, there's no way you'd know that this was his first film other than his age. It doesn't look like he's... Nervous, does it? or no not, not, no, not the complete Bond. And I know he would become more and more Roger. Where well, Octopussy, I think we've said, is probably the most all-rounder Roger performance. Mm. Here, he's got, I don't know, he's got—I don't know—he's—he's probably the coolest in this film, isn't he? He looks unbelievable. The long jacket as he comes off the airport in, uh, in New York is just sensational. The different looks he has. The cockiness is there that goes above... Above what Sean would do. You know, when he's in Solitaire's gown with the cards. I mean, that's. It's. Only Roger can get away with this kind of behavior, really.
11: Put down those cards. It is a blasphemy. They tell nothing to those who cannot see. Oh, but they do. That's a, a bit of luck. Good luck for both of us. The cards say we will be lovers. mistaken. It's impossible, forbidden for me. Now you must go. But you do believe, I mean really believe in the cards.
0: Well, they have never lied to me.
11: Then they won't now. Pick one. you knew the answer before it was given strangely enough somehow
6: so did i i think at the time i just assumed that it. Being james bond all the while i obviously liked it because that get started the whole me being interested in the yeah. first place
1: shall i shall i throw the oh, yeah. controversy out there and mm. you can all shout me down i i think as a roger performance it's his it's his weakest Bond film which would make some sense being it's his first um but for, for me and i don't think it's entirely his fault I, I think there's a lack of confidence from guy hamilton in the way he shoots roger in this film well obviously he's not in the opening pre-title sequence <laughs> uh which for me when you're introducing a new bond seems mm. very strange was that they were nervous that obviously you've just highlighted the changes that had come before were they a bit nervous mm. that so they just tried to set up a mystery without him and then i don't think that, that there's not a lot of close-ups There's not like take the living daylights there's that brilliant establisher of timothy dalton in there
7: mm.
12: one more time again <sighs> We don't. We don't
1: get a dramatic. He, he just. He's just in his in his flat, and M turns up. There's no kind of dramatic here. Is Bond hmm. here's new Bond, uh, and and I wonder. I don't know if Roger fed off that. If there was a feeling, I bet they were all nervous. Of course, they were. This is his first shot at his biggest role, and I just feel like I do think he grows into it. I definitely do now. I assume they shot it mostly in order. I know it gets chopped and changed about a bit when they're shooting. But I do feel, and I don't know if I'm just reading into it, but when I was watching it more cl- closely the day ahead of this podcast, I was thinking you feel like towards the end, Roger is getting more confident. And we do see flashes of what will become brilliant Roger later. And his delivery of that line to Rosie Carver when she's just seen the snake. And he said, oh, a snake. I should have told you never go in a bathroom without a mongoose. <laughs>
11: a snake I forgot I should have told you You should never go in there without a mongoose
1: no other actor could <laughs> deliver that the way Roger does and, and, I, and that actually I was bent over double laughing I forgot forgotten the the line it's absolutely superb and, that, and there so you're seeing the flourishes of what Roger's going to do you see plenty of what he's going to do in films but I just feel like he hasn't quite found I don't feel like he owns it like by the time you get to the spy who love me and all the films that come after it, and and to an extent, I think with the Man with the Golden Gun, because he's probably got confidence after the um, the decent box office from Live and Let Die. I mm. feel so, like he really owns it. He's just confident. He walks on. I'll you know I'm going to do it the way I do it because I know that's fine. I just feel in this film, he's he's. I can almost see him finding his feet, and and I wonder if Guy Hamilton also had nerves about it being yet another face in the role. In in that sense, didn't particularly shoot it to introduce Roger. He just kind of wanted to just make the film. I don't know, it, certainly for me and, and I think, I don't know if it's because of his performance, but it always feels like the odd one out of all the Roger Moore Bond films to me it doesn't feel yeah. like it fits like all the others. Part of that may be because it, the story is desp- <laughs> despite what we've said about the, uh, the, the, the magical and the mystical it is set in quite a reality thing it's a drug dealer story isn't it?
7: Ooh, yeah.
1: and a lot of the locations aren't particularly flashy, you know, in downtown New York it's quite grim <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like the big flashy Roger Moore films we get later. Uh, and that was obviously a conscious decision, and and it benefits from all that, don't get me wrong, but I just think it, there's two reasons it stands out from all the other Roger Moore films. One is the, the choice of locations, and, and for me the other is that Roger doesn't kind of own it like he later, later would own the other films. Anyway, I hand it over now. Oh. I'll, I'll duck for cover.
5: Mm. <laughs> I, I mean... I- might be partly because the the other characters are so huge as well, isn't it? Yeah, so that's true. That, that might have been a deliberate thing. Also, we say Roger looks very young. He does,
1: but I also think he's quite thin, quite small. I feel yeah. like he's yeah. he yeah. up a bit. He's never he's never Daniel Craig, but I mean, I feel <laughs> like is it. He looks he, no. he's not like Connery in this or Lazenby. He's not he's not built like them, is he? He's very wiry. <laughs> um, which had yeah. probably suited the Saints. And I wonder you know, I, so. I, I don't I, I know reading his autobiography, he hated going to the gym, but they did make him go to the gym <laughs> to the gym uh, for, for some of the Bond films. So I wonder if they did get him to beef up a little bit just to put on a bit of weight after this. Cause he, he does look I think it, one of the reasons he looks so young is he's He's tall, but very small, isn't it?
7: <laughs>
8: He's not got that majestic barrel-chested physique of Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> he looks like an oak, like a, like a, a lovely oak carving later on in ten <laughs> <A> Gorgeous one. <laughs> I don't, I, if I could, I don't, I don't disagree with anything you've said there at all, Steve. I really don't. I think, for myself, I think I really like the fact that they don't signpost this is a new James Bond. I think it's a nice mm. little... You, yes. know, just, oh, you
6: know, yeah.
8: and I think it's a step yeah. away from, you know, the very much fourth wall breaking, this never happened to the other chap. Absolutely. This yeah. is just business as usual. We don't even need to introduce the guy. We, you know, and, and there's certainly so ways, I suppose, you could read it. And I, I totally respect every reading of it. Like you suggested there, Steve, that perhaps they weren't totally like, oh, it's a new James Bond, what do we do kind of thing. You know, and I do understand that very much. Maybe they'd seen Roger in, you know, in early footage or the screen test, people were like, no, guy, we don't need to do anything flashy with this fella. He's got this. We don't need to do yeah. anything here. Mm. So I, uh, who knows? But I, I, I love the fact that we just slide into the next Roger Moore. He's already doing all the James Bond stuff. In fact, a little bit more in this game. Surgling <laughs> 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 <Tuddling laughs> agents into wardrobes that he's trying to do dastardly things with. It, it does set up Roger Moore's tenure. Really well for but... me. I really like it. I really like it. I think he's fabulous. I and mean, I think, like, what, what's lovely to have watched in recent years is the affection that's come out for him. Yeah. You know, uh, for so many people, you know, a lot of people said, like, he was the joke, James Bond. He really wasn't no, at all. No. For anyone who's paying actual attention. um, And it's just great to see him get the love and affection that he really deserves.
9: I, I do agree, uh, Steve, that the way that he's directed, I think, is a deliberate. It's a deliberate move away from how they introduced the last bomb. But for me, I love that. I love how it's understated. I I, I think I, I actually am a massive fan of Roger's performance in this film, but I think James Bond is deliberately awkward in this film. So if you look at he's a fish out of water in every single scenario, yeah. he, he goes into a fillet of soul. Yeah, yeah, and he's the yeah. only white man. You know, he goes to San Monique, he's, he's, he's the Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the only white man. Now take that in contrast to the the man with the golden gun, where he's in Asia. Yeah, but they put him in a they put him in a karate outfit. They they kind of move him into the culture in some kind of ways. Whereas here, <laughs> rightly or wrongly, but it's here there is this. Deliberate from the minute he gets off the plane in New York, this man stands out, and not just the excellence stand out like, wow, that's James Bond, but the stands out like he is a fish out of water here. He is, he... and mm-hmm. and I think that that is deliberate in it. I think the biggest compliment I can give Roger's performance in this is that nobody was asking about Sean Connery after it. Yes, exactly.
5: Yeah, yeah. job done. Yeah, job
9: yeah. done. That's yeah. that's the only thing yeah. I can say.
10: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think he, that it doesn't seem like there's any intention from him or anyone for him to fill Sean Connery's shoes. The focus is on Roger Moore's James Bond, you know, trying to step into James Bond's shoes. I completely, that's one of the strengths about it. I, again, like the others said, I totally, we can't disagree with what you've said, Steve. I totally understand it. But I think it's, I think I like that about it. I think mm. that he slips into the film, they slip him into the film. And that whole fish out of water thing that John's described makes him shine because he is so cool in all these situations where he's completely isolated, completely on his own. You know, down the back streets of New York wearing, you know, being incredibly British with this long coat on, but still unbelievably cool with these gangsters saying really funny things. And I do think he does, whether it's filmed in order or not, I agree that he he seems to just grow and grow into the role mm-hmm. and become more and more confident, you know, by the time he's like, you know, is it facing death, you know, and having his fingers be- <laughs> broken off. And he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's so assured and calm. And it's it's. I definitely think Roger Moore hits his stride as James Bond when him and John Glenn are together towards the end in terms of my like, octopussy, mm. a view to a kill. I think, you know, Moonraker, of course, but I think this kind of reminds me of, I don't know what a good analogy is, like a, a stand-up comedian's first few tours in terms of there's something untapped into yeah. and you're seeing them at their their finest where they're coming up with all the goods themselves and there's something special about them that not everyone's discovered yet. Uh, that's the best analogy I can come up with at the moment. But um Yeah, I, I think it's... Such a good interpretation of James Bond, and like John said, in no way does it look like he's trying to fill Sean Connery's boots at
6: no, all. No, not at all. It's, it's certainly not filmed in order, because I know the, the first scene shot with the boat chase. Oh, They were, really? the, they were his first, and he, and he had the accident straight away, and they had to go and film a load more without him, because he, right. uh, he did something to his arm, I think. Oh, no, his teeth, one of his teeth got knocked out, because right. the boat smashed wow. against something and it, and it banged against the windscreen of the boat. Oh. So they were his first scenes. So the studio shots would have been quite a bit further down because they were out on location.
1: Bob, I did notice how many stunts he does in this himself. Yes. You it, him, you yeah. think, well, that, that changes later. So obviously <laughs> <Yeah. but then laughs> the flip side is it's great that you get to see actually Roger Moore
5: doing a lot of the action.
1: Yeah.
6: yeah. And it proves he can't run as well. <laughs> yes. yeah, 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 yeah.
5: I really buy him as a spy. in This I, I do not see him as like a movie yeah. star in a spy film. I see him as a genuine. Mm. This guy, okay, yeah, he's a you know credible, crisp, charismatic, good-looking guy, but he could still slip into the background a lot more. And I, oh, yes, of course, he stands out. White man in Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> um, like but, a cue no, I ball, yeah, yeah,
6: yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: <laughs> but I do, I do buy him. Like, I, I think, like Harry said, he, he doesn't flinch in those sort of torture scenes, but we're worried for him. And I mean, it's mm. awful when he's got his mm. finger, you know, teeth. Yeah, yeah. so yeah,
6: I know it is. I'm, you know, I was quite, no, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. So in the book. Doesn't he actually break it? I think he does actually snap his finger in the book.
10: Yes, I think he does. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah. then he's when he's escaping, he's trying to fight with a basically a that's, broken finger. That's it, yeah. that's
6: right. Yeah.
10: broken floor. What do you think about
1: him saying the iconic
10: Bond James Bond? Oh, yeah, you,
1: me, that's that's shot in an unusual way for your new Bond. You think of the impact of Connery saying it originally on that, you know, yeah. that you know, medium close shot, music comes in. Again, uh, to throw forward to Pierce Brosnan in GoldenEye, they really give you that shot when he mm. says his name. They even dip mm. the, the ambient sound as he says it. But with this, it's a sort of, he's walking across a room on a wide shot. I was even watching it thinking, well, this isn't very good for a trailer shot, is it? <laughs> on the <laughs> close-up. Black
11: Queen on the Red King, Miss... Solitaire. My name's Bart. James Bart. I know who you are what you are and
5: why you have come. The music, though. The music. The music. I think that does the heavy lifting. And he's got his hands behind his back. He's incredibly cocky, even though he's just, you know, he could be facing death, couldn't he? Yeah.
7: Maybe, again, they
4: learned a bit from, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, but George Lazenby gets his Bond, James Bond, on the beat out of the way on the beach, does he?
7: Yeah. Because yeah.
4: they're desperate to make it a big thing, whereas yeah, um, yeah. in this, again, it's, you know, what, halfway through the film maybe yeah. or, or something mm. and shot in a completely <laughs> different way. So maybe they thought, again, let's play it down a bit or let's do it just a bit, you know, more differently or or a bit subtler. You right, know, Just to try and... <laughs>
8: Yeah, if, if he looked like yeah. he had any nerves about saying the line, he really doesn't. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. does. yeah,
5: he did. He does he say, does say it, that, doesn't it? More than ever in
8: that moment. A lot, you know?
5: Yeah, a lot of the actors say after that. I mean, how nerve? I think Daniel Craig said he had to do a hundred takes or whatever at the end of the yeah. But and Roger, I think, always jokes. You know that he he started to do it in a Scottish accent. When
7: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you
5: never know whether he's joking or not, though. Dear. Robert Redfern, John Orty, aka behind the stunts. And first, Vinnie Harris, give us their thoughts on Live and Let Die. So, Live and Let Die, what can I say? Well, my intro bond, so you never forget your first. That's what I always say.
11: What do I like about it? Well, everything. The song is a banger. The cast is phenomenal. Jane Seymour is lovely. The whole Supernatural overtones I quite like as well. Like, Baron Sandy is...
5: One amazing character and just adds to the mysticism of everything. It's got the cracking
11: Louisiana boat chase. Basically, it's an iconic movie and
13: I love it a lot. Hey, Bond fans, how's it going? I hope you're well. It's the Northern New Who Love Me here. And uh, I just wanted to add to this discussion of Live and Like Die with it being the 50th uh, anniversary of it this year. So um, I particularly wait to um, jib in on this one because I've always loved this film. I think like a lot of people, if you're like me, you're in your 40s, uh, you kind of watch this, uh, and you're in the UK, you will have watched this as a kid, you know, on, on TV, on ITV, quite a lot back in the day. I think to watch it as a kid, it's quite um, quite a scary film, I mean, uh, you know, the voodoo stuff in it, Quite even today, you know, in my uh, late 40s, you know, I still find some of the um, the voodoo stuff in it quite uh, quite scary, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful film. I mean, it, it starts kind of low-key, doesn't it? Um, with obviously I new James Bond coming into it. It was obviously well established at this point as a film and TV actor, you know, all the stuff he did with The Saint and The Persuaders. So I think a lot of people, um, I'm sure, back at the time, just accepted him just instantly, you know, as a new Bond. Obviously quite a different Bond. Well a sort of smooth, charming, sort of quipping sort of bond, obviously, and it, it does that a, a lot more of that later. It's just such a good film. It's, not, it's obviously another one done by Guy Hamilton. I think we obviously went a safe pair of hands for this film. Ersley got Guy back in. I can't think of any of his Bond films that I don't like. He always does a decent job of these movies. I'm just looking at my list now, actually, of Bond films as well. I, I do them a few times a year, and I think with this one, let's see where Living Let Die is. I've got it quite high i'm sure yeah it actually stands at number eight for me it's always been in the top half but uh, each time i do a chart it's kind of gone up and down a little bit i had a bit of a drop uh, in the last couple of years with it but i've just learned to think that you know this is one easily in my top 10 this one i do love uh, i've got to say i love jw pepper it's such <laughs> it's obviously you know playing a particular part that the kind of stands out as, as somebody that's, shall we say, not too um, open-minded about people from other places. But I, I don't think that stands out too well in the film. I think the kind of making, I always feel the making fun of him, making fun of people that have those kind of worldviews. So for me, I don't feel that's too kind of, of of its time and, you know, in the kind of cancellation zone sort of thing. So uh, he's obviously meant to be a bit of a joke, isn't it? So, uh, but he's just just funny. I mean, I I just love the actor, and it uh, gets some amazing lines in it. And uh, I think, well, on the subject of J. W. Pepper, the boat chase is absolutely stunning. I mean, I think for myself, I think the the boat chase has got to be easily my top three. I think I often say this is uh, my my top kind of chase in Bond. It's just. Just with the the way the music weaves into it, which I'll talk about later, just the action of it, just yeah, just that that kind of the way it's put together, it's just fantastic. I've always been a huge fan of that. I think that's a huge plus for the movie, the chase. Obviously, the stuff in the uh, the bus, you know, that that comes up as well is is good, you know, with uh, with all that kind of stuff going on. Mister Big and Doctor Kanan, I think Yafet, is it pronounced Yafet? Yafet Kato. Uh, he's obviously was in um, Alien a bit later, you know, a few years later and some other stuff as well. I think he's a fantastic baddie. You're definitely scared of him. You know, he's kind of got those that high stakes baddie kind of feel to him. He's, you know, he's got that temper to him and, uh, you know, and he's shouting at solitaire and stuff. <clears throat> Just the way he d- delivers his lines and kind of his, the, the exposition, you know, it's, yeah, it's definitely a... Uh, Definitely a good body. I mean, I think I've done a bond, body chart at any point, but I think if I do, he'd definitely figure, I'm sure, in the top half of the chart there. And I like the other guys as well. You know, you've you got T. He, Samadie in there, and Whisper, you know. I particularly like Baron Samadi. I think he's, um, like I say, about being sort of scared by some of this stuff when I was a kid. I think him particularly is, um, yeah, he's just got such a presence about him. He's obviously a big, tall guy. He's quite athletic and... You know, I think he was a dancer or something, wasn't he? So, uh, yeah, he's just quite, but obviously quite a different kind of villain uh, to what we're used to. Definitely good. Yeah, he's definitely got some uh, good quirks about him. And, uh, yeah, let's talk about Solitaire. In terms of my uh, Bond girls, she's easily in the top five. Uh, I know a lot of guys like Jane Seymour as well, and she's just... Even even today, she's absolutely stunning. You know, stunningly beautiful woman. And uh, to say she was only so young when she did this film, I think the acting is is absolutely superb. And I don't think she'd done much acting at that point. I think I still think at uh, this time she was uh, not an unknown, but uh, not done a lot of stuff. And I think she's absolutely excellent. Some of the stuff of Bond, taking her virginity is a little bit dodgy i think because because more delivers some of the lines and quite you know dialogue about it i think you can sort of let him off just if anything is is kind of a little bit a little bit me too i suppose you could uh, you could put that in that category you know he gets to do some of these lines like half-cocked and stuff you know (laughs) just you know i think nobody else could get away with that could they let's face it and uh I need to mention another line as well, which I've always liked in this film. It just kind of flies under the surface for a lot of people. I think that watch it when Bond's getting uh, kind of asked all those questions, and uh, T. trying to take his watch off, and he does that butterhook line. They just well, that one always just cracks me up. It's it's just the way he de- again. It's just the way he delivers it as well. You know, he's kind of struggling to get his watch off, and he just does that butterhook. It's just, um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, so what else can I talk about as well? I think, obviously, the plot to the film is, is good. You know, it's it definitely fits the time, you know, and then some of the other movies that are out there. You know, it's just all this sort of drug smuggling stuff and all that kind of thing in the uh, early 70s, you know. I guess there was stuff in the news about that kind of thing. And uh, the fact it goes back to Jamaica as well, you know, it's, uh, it's such a nice touch. So sort of, obviously it was a, a bit of a planned idea to kind of do that, but it, it fits with, you know, Obviously, things from the some of the stuff in the book, and uh, what they wanted to do with the uh, locations, and uh, I must admit, I wouldn't mind going to some of those locations. Uh, Jamaica's not particularly that much on my list of, of places I want to go. I think if I did go, it would just be for the sake of this uh, this film. Yeah, the other thing I just wanted to talk about quickly was the uh, the music. I think George Martin's score for this film is again just easily. Uh, top 10 uh, Possibly top 5 though I'd say it's definitely top 5 And uh, in terms of my fave Bond themes I, I absolutely love this uh, song Live and Let Die I think it's wonderful I've not actually got the uh, the vinyl though. Well I've got the um, the CD But uh, I don't have the uh, the vinyl It'd be nice to get on vinyl actually But I just love some of the um, Sort of incidental music that's in it You know the, the stuff in the bar When he's in the, the bar Filly of Soul You know with the kind of fuzzy guitar And the sort of soul singer there All that stuff's just wonderful I think it's called Filly of Soul that song but I just absolutely adore stuff like that. Of that, you know, any music from that kind of time is—it's uh, always good. That kind of stuff, you know, soul and funky sort of stuff. So uh, George Martin just—just uh, just totally gets it. You know, he—he he gets the time. He gets what was popular. And it just uh, it just fits the film so well. And I always say a good soundtrack is uh, like another you know, character in the film. So I definitely think that applies to this movie. I think when you think of the film, you kind of think of the poster and the uh, you know the kind of the um, the music score, obviously album as well. You know, fitting in with that is definitely a big part of it, of its success as well. So I know a lot of people like it. I know a few people have this as, as one of their absolute top one films, and I can kind of see why, to be honest. It's just a wonderful movie. It's a good start for our new Bond as well, and uh, I just hope it be on at the cinema again this year at some point. I think uh, they're missing out not doing the uh, some of the fiftieth stuff. So let's get uh, let's get that one on there. And uh, thanks for listening. And uh, make sure you support these guys. They do a fantastic podcast and uh, videos on YouTube. It's easily my top kind of podcast that's out there for this kind of thing, particularly with Bond Bond stuff. I'm always listening to their new uh, podcasts and uh, YouTube when they come up. So yeah, give me the, your the support, and thanks for
3: listening. See you later. Bye. Who'd have thought that I'd be here celebrating a film that is now as old as I am? Live and Let Die gave a wider audience the man, the legend, that is Roger Moore as James Bond 007. It's a turning point in the series, as Moore's Bond is a fun character that might kill you, but would have a laugh about it first. His banter with Felix Leiter over the car phone after the killing of his driver Charlie, played by vehicle stunt coordinator Joey Chitwood, is good enough to develop a spin-off series all of its own, and yet the James and Felix characters have never felt as right as they do in Live and Let Die. If I'm honest, this film never really sits in my top ten but its appeal is easy to see. The first and only Bond's exploitation movie set around the Harlem of 1970s. Take this hunky out and waste him, says Mr Big. When Bond tries to make light of the situation he finds himself in with Solitaire, waste him, is that a good thing? Roger looks fabulous, although his hair always struck me as being... A bit too short. It was only a year or so before that that we saw him in The Persuaders with Tony Curtis. His character, Lord Sinclair, had his clothes designed by Roger and Debenhams. The hair was longer, the one-liners still as strong. For me, the film always stands out for its plethora of stunt coordinators. Bob Simmons, in charge of the studio shots, Joey Chitwood was in charge of the location cars. Jerry Comeau was in charge of the boat sequence action. Bill Bennett was the hang glider guy. Eddie Smith was in charge of the Black Stuntman's Association. And Ross Kananga was in charge of crocodiles. The crocodile sequence, possibly even more so than the boat chase, is, for me, the film's greatest moment. The cinema had seen boat chases before. Not like this, admittedly, but a boat chase is pretty much a car chase, only with certain tweaks along the way. Here, Ross Kananga would double Roger Moore, whilst using crocodiles as stepping stones to get from his platform to the safety of the bank. There's an old adage in cinema that says, ''Never work with children or animals.'' That's absolutely right, and still stands strong today. But prehistoric semi-aquatic reptiles probably weren't even considered when this saying was being created. Up until this moment, in the films, Roger's Bond was as capable as Sean Connery's or George Lazenby's, but this pushed him to a brand new space. The comedy that Roger gives is. Perfectly encapsulated here with his decision to wear crocodile skin shoes, which give his Jimmy Bond the edge. As stunts go, it's as impressive as anything that had come before or after. It's a magical moment captured on film for millions the world over to marvel at and discuss. As we know from... Seeing the incredible behind the scenes footage, crocodiles are fast learners and after the first take had a pretty good idea what Ross was going to do. They got him once or twice too, but when your business involves wrangling over 2,000 crocodiles, you must be fairly accepting that you're gonna get bitten every once in a while ross passed away in 1978 of an unrelated crocodile condition which is a huge relief to everybody i imagine the film leading into this point and after require this sequence in order to hold the whole thing together it's very exciting and should be put alongside the tank chase in goldeneye or the ski jump in the spy who loved me bond moments that simply say, without words, that this guy is the best. Nobody does it better, providing it's only the trespassers that get eaten.
5: We'll move on to the uh, the villains, and we touched on Yaku, Yath- but Yath- there's so many.
4: <laughs> there's so many villains.
5: There's so many villains, and. Even the main villain is two different characters, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, got, it's quite... a. I mean, if you look back at it sometimes, you might think, actually, he wasn't in it as much as I remembered. But he's got a presence throughout the film, and mm. every scene he's in, he does get a lot of screen time and a lot of Yeah. Yafit yeah, Koto is a really good actor. He's been in some absolutely
4: cracking films. He's quite a big, imposing presence, which yeah. which often gets a little bit forgotten because of the size of the <laughs> henchmen around him. <laughs> but, yeah. He himself is, you know, quite a physically imposing um, villain. He's quite sort of charming. He's not as outrageous in some ways as some of the people around him again. So whether... I don't know whether some people might... Whether he gets a little bit forgotten. But as you say, this whole thing of Mr. Big and him being the same person, I imagine was quite a big... You know, it's really hard for me to think back on this film and, and assess it, like, objectively. And to think... Because it's just so. As long as I have had memory, you know, I as long as I can remember, I know this film inside out. So it's, yeah. it's quite hard to uh, sort of Jay analyse in that way. I
5: think Jamie sort of like, oh, you won't believe it's the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that movie? It's it's
4: it's so good, and the idea of it's a great plot device that he's this big, look like some drug mob boss in in yeah. uh, in America, whilst also being having this presence in a completely different way. in in a Caribbean island, it's it's Mm. absolutely amazing.
11: There's one little question that he wants answers for. In that case, you better ship me back to the island and let him ask in person. I'm not in the habit of giving answers to lackeys.
6: You damn lucky you got a left to hear the question with, which is, did you mess with that?
11: That's between Solitaire and myself And Kananga, I'll tell him when I see him.
7: You ain't
5: gonna see the sunlight unless you answer me.
11: I had no idea you were so frightened of him.
5: Did you touch her?
11: When I see Kananga. Right. like
4: revealing. Yeah, I think he I think he's really good. I think he's quite scary at times. When he's revealed himself to be Kananga and then the way he treats solitaire and the scene yeah, yeah. with the cutting of the yeah. finger is pretty scary at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Then in the final confrontation he's he's quite sort of, he's a bit more jovial and jokey I yeah. but I think he's really good. He gets he gets perhaps forgotten about but you know, you've got your top absolute top tier villains and then underneath that i think there's quite a lot of them who were who were sort of the next level down who were absolutely brilliant so yeah you know i'd probably put drax kananga i'd probably say silver i don't know you know the these yeah. sorts of yeah, yeah. villains that are on that, no. that next level down who are who were really good but just not quite Scaramanga or sanchez or zorin
1: This film does do well. It's got lots of villains, as you said, but I love, absolutely love The Living Daylights, as you all know. But there's a lot of criticism about it having two villains Mm. at the end. And and it feels a bit like, you know, you have finished one part of the story, then you've got to go back and finish the other bit, which you never get that feeling with this film. You never feel like, oh, there's there's another bad guy they've got to finish off. It, It all hangs together perfectly in that sense. It's, it, it builds to, to you know, mm, mm. you never feel like there's too many vill- I never watch it uh, think, oh, why have we got so many villains? Do you know what I mean? They're all oh, brilliant. Right. <laughs> yeah. it all fits
5: together. But there's still the nice twist at the end, of course, when yeah. he, he's there, and then even after that, Baron Samley's on the train. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. yeah.
6: survived
5: after
9: all. Brilliant yeah. ending. Super <laughs> <nice>. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Kananga. I really, really like him. I, I think in some ways he potentially gets underlooked a bit. It's a bit like GoldenEye Syndrome in terms of because of how many larger-than-life villains there are in this film. And he's probably the most understated of them. So if you think of, and, and that's deliberate, mm. but you've got you've got <laughs> He, you've got Whisper, you've got Baron Samadhi, and then you've got like secondary villains such as Adam. You've <laughs> got, <laughs> hey, Ben Adam. I mean, I want that yeah. checker, I want that checker yeah. blazer. Yeah. yeah. You've got the taxi driver. Yeah. You've got, yeah. Da- you've got Dambala, the guy who holds the snakes with the goat head yeah. on. You've got, yeah. you've got yeah. such an array of larger than life villains. The, the main villain kind of has to be a bit more yeah. like, yeah, yeah. And I think that because of that, he doesn't always get remembered as such, but the performance by yafet Koto is outstanding. Uh, reading some kind of hero is quite fascinating about this because he deliberately didn't get on with Roger Moore and uh, with the cast member. He, he, oh. he made it his thing to be very standoffish. And actually he had to apologise years later because uh, it it, it was and there was there was some other kind of I don't want to say anything like get my facts wrong on this. But there was also some kind of uh, racial allegiance, political allegiance stuff that was going on as well. I will send an audio of that I I want to fact check that before I say that. But um, it, it wasn't all he deliberately didn't endear himself to people on the set. That shows in the film because I think there isn't a massive chemistry between Roger and and Kananga, but there shouldn't be. It's not. It's yeah. not like that kind of mm-hmm. villain. It's not a Franz Sanchez and oh. and James Bond. It's just not.
4: Yeah. What do we think about his death? Well, that's love why they
5: look at his children. That's, that's love way it. I read. <laughs> Genius. It's
6: a good seventies <laughs> death.
0: <laughs>
8: there's, there's not a tear high
5: enough, I don't think, to describe no. this. That Just be
11: Rob, the most rewound scene that we ever.
8: Where's Cananga?
11: Well, he always did have an inflated opinion of himself. Well, I, I think, yeah. from a pure movie magic standpoint,
8: <laughs> this is one of the most rewound scenes I ever had on on tape. Just how did they do this? I, I have no <laughs> idea how yeah. they did this. The, I still um, don't know that I'm model. They really did it. Yeah,
7: yeah,
8: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, Bob, I've got no evidence to the contrary. I, oh, no one's told yeah, me it's yeah. not really.
10: Again, growing up as children, not confusion, but you see that, and then there's also a Monty Python sketch, isn't it? you yeah, remember yeah, um, yeah. the guy blowing up a huge balloon?
5: Yes, yeah,
10: <laughs> remember, yeah, remember yeah. that one. Yeah, um and he eventually yeah. sort of, yeah, yeah, he so. Eddie's yeah, slightly it's in my head links to that. The clothes
6: just rip off. In the restaurant. Yeah, yeah in um it's Meaning of a, Life. Meaning Alive. Oh, a, yeah.
5: Yeah. 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 Uh, the
6: noise the... Oh.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I watched it recently with my wife who's not, you know, like <laughs> it's quite weird to show that to somebody <laughs> an adult now first.
9: <laughs> <laughs>
4: oh, I don't what did <laughs> Rachel think about that, John?
9: Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. she had her head in her hands, but to be quite honest, I mean, she had her head in her hands from the minute Roger yeah, said, Shh, Yeah, a magnetism, darling. And you know, yeah, so for like yeah, from yeah. 10 minutes yeah. in, she was just like, What am I watching? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, <laughs>
5: played for laughs, though, isn't it? Of course it is.
9: Uh-huh.
7: Yeah. It,
5: it is, isn't it? Yeah.
7: Yeah. yeah I, I don't I mean- mind.
5: Yeah. It has to be
8: but again it's deadly serious. A man gets blown to pieces. Oh yeah, it's awful, yeah. Trying to kill the sharks and all this, you know. Cutting yeah. the hand, like in the cinema that was the one I was most worried about with the kids, mm. like looking across at them when yeah. they
6: saw that yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Like, oh, But did, didn't it bother them? No. No, no. Oh. and they weren't um, bothered about the voodoo
8: aspect, looking frightened and they had some questions about it. Like, what was that all about? But they never asked anything further. Uh, to be honest, I, 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 what what this has shown me is that, because I was a little bit concerned. I was determined to see uh, Living Let Die in the theatres. And it was a family night. And I just, I, I, it was like, right, we're all going. It's a PG, so we're all going, you know. And there was a gamble element to this, yeah. certainly. But there was nothing there. Like, they weren't bothered about anything. And then it turns out afterwards, like, my four-year-old, one of his favourite films is Tremors. You know, he <laughs> so, like, absolutely loves it. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> so it's but like yeah. they all watch Jaws, and they and I was like, you're never allowed to watch Jaws, and I showed them Jaws, and and they were like, so boring. I was like, right, you're, you're no children of
6: mine. I thought you were going to say your four-year-old when he was watching the letter <laughs> He goes, hey, that's him from Alien.
8: I <laughs> will <laughs> 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 draw a line
7: somewhere, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Bob they
1: weren't, weren't bother about Rosie Carver's
7: death.
8: Honestly, I kept looking at them like, and The only thing that rose uh, anything more than a, a scant reaction was Mrs. Bell. <laughs> like,
7: oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> holy like, shit! <laughs> so,
8: like, I looked across at my, my at the time seven. <laughs> she went, uh, yeah,
7: <laughs> that was it. The only, you know, the only reaction Mrs. Was Bell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Hello, you know, when you
8: were reeling guy. off all the villains a minute ago, I was desperate mm. to shout. Mrs. Bell is
5: surely one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> secondary villain status well. yeah <laughs> but it is uh. I mean, maybe it's that thing Rob of you know watching stuff with your mum and dad anything rude or swearing Ah, uh, you know. no violence absolutely mm. fine no, no it's fine okay <laughs> like everything though you can
8: you can name as many people as you want in films and books and that's not a problem but there yeah. are certain trigger, trigger things that you uh. can't go near
5: yeah yeah what do you think of him, Rob, as a villain, Yaffa Cutter? Outstanding, just outstanding.
8: Um, I, I, seriously, seems uh, totally quotable, mm. and um, you know, like I, I, again, I find using the quotes all the time just <laughs> unacceptable. You know, did you touch her? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's not many times you can wheel that out in the average day, but you, know, yeah, you just yeah. So do Yeah. yeah. Um, and the whole, you know, when he removes the the makeup, yeah. oh. it's, it's, yeah. his whole performance throughout that really is brilliant. I think because yeah. you go in from one character to, to, character to the other, and his like like very visible metamorphosis yeah. is mm-hmm. superbly yeah. done. And yeah. I just think he's a great villain. I think they're all brilliant, to be honest. I think they all had such a brilliant favour. Flavour, um I'm very grateful for T for ruining yeah. me offering wine to anyone ever.
7: Your champagne <laughs> <laughs> I, I
8: can't you know it's ruined forever now. No, sorry, not tee. Whisper. Whisper
3: whisper, yeah. Uh, whisper. Yeah. Anybody,
11: oh. Your champagne, sir. What was that? Your champagne. Put it on the table, thanks. What? Shall I open it? Oh, no, no, I can manage, thank you. Yeah, well, you. so sorry. Shall I um,
7: open it? There's a, there's <laughs> a clue what in the name, Rob. Yeah, yeah. 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 the clue's in the name, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know.
8: Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, I've always got those two mixed up. Um, just, <laughs> like, because for ages someone told me, uh, I think it might be you, Tom, you know, when we were growing up, like... Um, Oh, you look like that guy, amazing. T, he's amazing. I always loved Whisper so much that I assumed because you'd named the secondary the yeah. guy, it must be his <laughs> name. So
7: it's yeah. stuck forever.
5: Real <laughs> physical <laughs> threat, Whisper. You know, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but in a little, I don't. Why is that thing anyway? I don't know, but I love it. Giant, giant It, 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 I, I'm not it
4: transports the drugs. I think. I think. All oh, right. He
5: uh,
4: mm. Talks about yeah.
5: Quite Ken Adam, that final set. Yes, it is. Oh, it yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. That's yeah, amazing.
4: Yeah, yeah, an underground, you know, a cave yeah, with a, like, a pool yeah. with sharks in it. It's a pretty classic Bond. Is. Villain yeah, it's, set. Uh, it's a, Sid
6: Kane monter.
5: Sid Kane,
4: yeah. Cain. He's yeah. a legend on this, isn't he? Yeah.
6: Oh,
5: yeah. what a guy. Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. Roger Moore's given a great outfit for
10: that end takedown.
5: Oh, yeah. that's Harry. That's what we got in Spectre. Classic bomb.
10: Yeah, I just thought, I just thought that the spectre outfit, unlike he wears on the posters, you'd that's... never see
4: him wearing it. otherwise. no, wears, not, no, no. Oh. no.
5: That's that is that
10: that's it's the same, is it outfit, pretty much. Yeah,
5: because yeah, it's brown the holster, isn't it? Yeah, and the black yeah. in it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. we got we got a photo. We can, we can you yeah. know, that, that's good enough. For <laughs> <laughs> so the other villains we mentioned, Whisper T. we've we've briefly mentioned, but he he's another one who he doesn't. I think because. You have that top tier again, like Matt said, of Jaws, Odd Job, even Zenion Air maybe you, you, that people remember instantly. Teehee He w- isn't mentioned, but then as soon as you talk about him, you're like, oh yeah, I really like him. Oh yeah. Yeah. He, he made, yeah, he makes a massive impression. I mean, that scene, the torture scene, but then also the crocodile scene. Yeah, yeah. saying, and I love how he just suddenly yeah, he, he moves away and he's you know, oh right, Roger's on his own, he's yeah. stranded. And he just starts laughing, doesn't it? That's how it ends, just laughing and laughing. But then that that final fight, you see a new side to him where he's, he's a bit nastier, isn't he? Isn't he? Uh, it's pretty scary, it's that. It's a pretty scary fight, I think, that. Yeah, it is. Yeah!
4: I don't know quite how it's come about, but I've really got it in my mind now that Guy Hamilton's films is <laughs> not an awful lot of action in them. You can't call them action films. Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever, Let and Let Die in, there are some great uh, stunts in them. Yeah. <laughs> and there's some great sort of fights or scenes with action in, but Nick he fight, couldn't yeah. say they're action yeah. in films. The some men you know, I
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I'd call Bond films action films really until we got to Brosnan, to be honest. And they started to ramp up the pace. Well, yeah, yeah but but yeah. I
4: mean I, I don't know. I feel like Glenn, John Glenn's Bond films have yeah. like set pieces after set pieces, you know, which which were really yeah. I and mean, you know, I think
1: they've got the best directed action in them, the John Glenn films. But I still feel like you've got more story, more character.
7: Yeah, yeah.
1: Than you would get in what I would just think of as a a more generic action film. I, but I don't know what's a generic action film. Something with Stallone, I guess, in the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right now, or whatever. I feel like you get a lot more character and story, and you can octopus see the amount of story going on in that.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
5: <laughs> that's everything. As we keep saying, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Baron Sand is one of those where oh. he's sort of more famous than he has any right to be in terms of screen time and. But, well, what? the impact—the impact, the impact like, that he has when yeah, he's, in, yeah, you know, yeah. Just, he, yeah, and I know a lot of people will be like, "That's because he was in the Goldeneye game." No, no, why no, was man. he in the Goldeneye game? Because he was yeah, yeah. on it.
9: So, yeah. if you if you ever get the chance, watch the special features on the on the Blu-ray because obviously Jeffrey Holder was. Um, I'm trying to think the word now. He Cory he was a cor- choreographer. choreographer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah watch the special features, it shows him choreographing the things. He is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Like genuinely unbelievable. And and I think that to me, yes, he's got his laugh and he's got his, but it's his movement that mm. like everything he does, even like the way that he picks up a card and he like it's oh. it's so over exaggerated yeah, yeah. and flamboyant how he does it. Everything mm. about his movement is that's what makes him stand out, because he's—he
8: so, was—he like, sitting s- on
9: the edge of a table.
8: Yeah, yeah,
10: yeah exactly. Yeah. Perching on a table. Ah. It,
8: he's
9: like, what is it? Six foot seven, six foot eight. He's absolutely humongous. Yeah. Yeah. But how scary are we sort of
5: introduced? Is it like? Is it Felix? They say somebody. or is, who is it? No, thing. no, it's the guy it's on, like on the performer, the yeah. man who cannot die. Yeah, yeah. on the yeah. on stage. Yeah. No, yeah. no, not that. In, oh. like, Somebody oh. came through customs, nine feet tall. Oh yeah. Cool. oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So scary that isn't yeah, it? no, you're right. Can anger him. But yeah, though those scenes with him again, they are amongst the most memorable. The the graveyard at the end where he's you know he's shot in the head and you know mm. in the snake, the oh it's awful, isn't it? It's really yeah. yeah really scary for kids, but we loved it.
10: Yeah. He never but, loses it as well though. He's so Calm and assured, is not he? He, he? he, never, he's never growling or
9: raging no. or anything like that. That's yeah. one of the things about this Bond film, though, is is that <clears throat> if you look back previously, none of the Bond villains, arguably barring Charles Gray's Blofeld, smile. This yeah. uh, and then every Bond, every Bond villain here, from T. He with his smile to somebody's laugh, they're all larger than life. You know, yeah. the taxi yeah. driver. The, they're a different kind of villain. They're just as sinister, but he probably arguably more sinister because they're smiling when they're doing it all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
5: Was, how many villains have been likable as characters? You know, a bit nowadays. The ones that people like more are the ones where you can, yes, they are right, story. Right? <laughs> yeah, like Silver's one of those, obviously, <laughs> and Max Zorin. Technically, is evil evil guy, isn't he? But you can't help but like. Well, you don't like him, but you like watching him be weird and yeah. different and you're right sanchez, let well, die. sanchez
1: is is actually yeah.
5: quite like what
1: he said he's yeah. trying to, he's just playing james bond's alter ego isn't yeah. he yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah 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 sanchez is the absolute absolute brilliant example of that where you both isn't it but but again you know baron samedi never anything like it but you couldn't possibly do anything to copy it because there's no <laughs> it wouldn't work would it It'd just yeah. baron yeah. samedi but Absolutely fascinating, and uh, quite right that he doesn't die, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah. If you're enjoying Really 007, why not follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram? Look us up at Really 007 Pod. So yes, the Bond girls... And we have Jane Seymour, who was, I think, I mean, a virtual unknown and very, very young at the time. Mm. And, I mean, my own view is that that innocence really comes across for what is meant it to be... 19
6: months, you the film? Yeah, yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. that's crazy, isn't it,
5: now?
4: Yeah. Um, How old was Roger? 40? 40...
5: 40, 46, 47? Yeah. Five? Yeah. Trouble! Yeah! <laughs> Trouble! <laughs> <laughs> um, Go on, Bob, what was, I mean, Jane Seymour at the time, I mean, this pro- propelled her to stardom, I assume.
6: Yeah, yeah, yeah it certainly did. Yeah, I, I loved her in it. I, I, don't, I honestly do not think they could have cast anybody better than Jane Seymour for Solitaire. She, she absolutely and utterly fits. I think it is, it's a very good cast all round.
7: Mm-hmm. It
6: really is, yeah. she She's... She obviously portrays the innocence, and obviously mm. she changes slightly after they've been to bed together. Yeah, uh, <laughs> to when, when when she knows that he's tricked her. Obviously, she he, for a bit she goes against him. She, but she's only playing the part with uh, Kananga.
5: Yeah, it's quite disturbing the sort of the relationship the imagine. Kananga has with her. It's quite oh, yeah, nice yeah. with a
4: mother and yeah,
5: yeah. She's tw- 22 when it came out. Oh right, okay. Oh yeah,
6: yeah.
5: Just checked. She must have been one of the youngest, wasn't she? Mm. I, I would have thought.
1: 24 years between her and Roger, but actually, it's it's not one of the ones I feel.
10: You know, <laughs> yeah, Because <I> <laughs> Roger does look very young. Yeah. I was going to say because Roger looks yeah. so good. Do
9: yeah. do you, do you, do you yeah. think that's because they deliberately it, the story is written around that, so they're not trying to get yeah. they're not trying to like portray her as a, a mature woman. That the point yeah, yeah. is is that she is a young naive virgin. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. so it plays like that. And he's an ex- old
5: experienced chap. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah,
5: yeah, and he yeah. somehow. <laughs> I mean, You couldn't mix the hand deck. Hand to... you couldn't. No, no, but there's there's a sort of joke where she's oh I quite like that she we do it again so I can't remember the line now. oh
9: yeah yeah she's oh. loving it by the end she, yeah. she wanted uh, she wanted lesson three lesson number three yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it darling he see you get so cocky
5: doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> I feel a bit sorry for when she you know that wasn't very funny was it you know yeah
4: end. I know yeah
5: yeah but he doesn't explain
4: to you know he just didn't yeah, say anything what, I didn't do it I? yeah
5: just puts T.E.'s arm out of the way. Yeah. <laughs> they probably originally, or you you say, oh, if they did it now, they'd have a black girl, wouldn't they, I think, mm. in the part. But at the time, having, having... Well, we're going to Rosie now, Rosie Carver. So many people are like, I can't stand it. I can't stand that woman, you know, that <laughs> character. She's so annoying. But is, how much of it is it an act that she's pretending to be a bit incompetent when she's actually, you know, working. She is pretty difficult to know. figure out. I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I can only think the most true
10: you ever see her being is when she's running for her life. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, only, that's, the yeah. Only time, that's the only time you can be sure that's the real person, whoever she is. Yeah. But even that doesn't tell you, because obviously she's scared for her life then, as anyone
11: would. Be, yeah. so It doesn't tell you much.
7: Oh, James. Oh, you don't know what finding you has meant
11: to me? Oh, well, I can imagine. And you've no idea what finding this is meant to me. You do know what the Queen of Cups means in an upside-down position? A deceitful, perverse woman, a liar, a cheat, and I'd like some answers now.
0: Please, R. Uh, you don't understand, see? They'll kill me if I do.
11: And I'll kill you if you don't.
7: But you
2: couldn't. You wouldn't. Not after what we just done.
11: I certainly wouldn't have killed you before. <coughs> it used to be a convincing act, Rosie. It's wearing a little thin now.
0: It's not an act.
5: It's... Make your choice. I mean that is one of the most Fleming in commas Roger cold hard it really is and I'll kill you if you don't yeah no I mean, one really, make yeah. your choice yeah. yeah no one really references yeah. that as oh Roger when Roger was mm. but I I think that's one of the most like flipping it, mate. yeah, I, I, yeah I'm with son, her yeah. in that Like that's a bit you don't need to be He's that. Got
10: a, and the gun is right in her face yeah, yeah. yeah after yeah. they've just made love <laughs> yeah
8: the picnic. No, don't, don't, don't let, sorry, the Rogers aren't aren't very Fleming. Let's get that very
5: clear. Oh well. Gosh. Make, make that really clear. We don't. In the sea, Rob. In the sea. Get in the sea, get Denitude. in the bin. Adopt both those territories as your own. Reverse greatness. <laughs> Reverse, <laughs> greatness.
8: Reverse
7: greatness.
8: <laughs> Reverse greatness. <laughs> My, uh, yeah, F minus hype.
5: Yeah. <laughs> another thing about her, why does no one say how ridiculous a name is Rose a. Carver I don't uh... mm. none it's
9: the drink mm. Carver, never right? realised that
5: well, that's never, I yeah. don't. Is it just me or is that I hadn't I hadn't realised no. I, no. no. like, I don't know
1: no
10: <laughs> no one drank yeah, Rose yeah.
1: in those days though did they
5: <laughs> yeah I suppose. named after her perhaps yeah yeah <laughs> 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 Rose didn't exist at the time. <laughs>
4: yeah. yeah. She's a really interesting character. I know people get annoyed, but isn't that part of the that's yeah. you know, she's sort of supposed to be like that, isn't she? Yeah. And you yeah. know, this inexperienced yeah. agent on the face of it to begin with. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, it's hard to know what is her being genuinely incompetent and useless and what <laughs> is an act. But like Harry says, when she says, you know, you know, it's not, you know, she says. I can't remember what he says to prompt it. Like this act is becoming rather tiresome, or yeah, something like that. But he yeah. Knows. So he must be thinking, what she's been doing is, has been affected. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think it's really good. You know, obviously, first sort of you know interracial. Well, you know, with with a with a black woman for for Bond on screen, which is uh, you know, which was which was good. But she was an interesting character. It wasn't to tick a box or anything. No. Yeah, and there are lots of comedic moments with her. I mean, you know. <laughs> in the hotel room when she first yeah, that and, you first arrived, yeah, that one of the things.
10: with the feather as well. Yeah,
12: <laughs> yeah.
7: <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film. If only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
11: It's just a hat, darling. Belonging to a small-headed man of limited means who lost a fight with a chicken. It's a warning. Get it out of here! Oh, please.
7: Please don't leave me alone tonight. James, please promise me.
11: All right, darling, if you
8: insist. I I did say the the line in a nerf battle at home recently.
7: I could have shot you. (laughs) (laughs)
8: <laughs>
5: yeah.
8: no, that be awful to live with. I must be dreadful to live with. <laughs>
7: no,
5: no, no, no. There's the hat. Um, oh, the screaming in there. It's a warning. Get it out of yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, I know yeah. what I was gonna say. <laughs>
4: Who he gets Bond gets delivered a card when he's having breakfast, sort of oh, warning yeah. him that but who's that from? Guy Hamilton. Supernatural?
7: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Guys, just
4: you know, what, chuck yeah. it in, and no one will, no yeah, one will or, remember or ask any It's questions. Supernatural, yeah. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll cut a few key scenes and then not <laughs> yeah. yeah.
10: And but Bond, Roger Moore, doesn't make a massive deal of it either. The, a liar, she, well, yeah. the high priestess,
4: or something,
6: yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah, it just gives him a clue, but like you say, who did send <laughs> <laughs> it? It wouldn't <once laughs> have been the woman in the shop. Oh, her, <laughs> yeah. Her shop. It won't be in her because she reports him. Well, as soon as he's gone out, she's reported him, yeah. isn't she? Yeah. So yeah, but this is time. in San Monique. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
5: It is scary that. Yes. It's a bit, we have people everywhere, isn't it? Kind of. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. Oh, people. yeah. <laughs> um, got to mention, sorry, but um, best villains as well. <laughs> whose funeral is it?
11: Yo, oh, oh, yeah. Whose uh, funeral is it? Yours.
5: <gasps> what yeah. a character. Apparently, he's one of the, the main guys in the band. Yeah, one of the trumpet players, act, yeah. But you can't act like that. I mean, that's another level of... <laughs>
10: if, he, if he was a band member, you wouldn't pick him out and say, right, which one of those <laughs> should we pick <laughs> as the villain? <laughs> him.
5: It's no the, way would he, but it's such a good choice. It has to be someone who's like, lucky up, mate, you know. It's just... It's well, I do genius. love the I know we said that a lot of people don't like the pre-title sequence. Oh, no, it's amazing. But it's the incredible. way you get you get it, and then you get the same repeated.
6: Yeah. I think that, that's that's why, why they've done have
9: isn't
5: it? Haven't
6: they? Yeah. yeah, of
9: course, yeah. 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 I, I'll defend this pre-title sequence to the Hill. You know, like I know people say James Bond's not in it, and that you can't disagree with that. But let's go beyond James Bond, right? Somebody says. What's that film that starts with a band what a funeral oh, service walking yeah, yeah. down New Orleans and then someone gets stabbed and it turns into a party that that's beyond the world of bond that cinematic yeah, yeah, that's cinematic greatness yeah, that's iconography yeah. right there it's unbelievable and
5: again as kids you're like sorry what what's this I, yep look at that that he was in the you know the coffin that picks up yeah, the body. Yeah. I, I yeah I don't know how they do that doesn't look like a trick photography to me. I mean, it's incredible. It?
10: I picture some lovely, um, on the handles, some crisp, squeezy things that open a yeah. door. And You're then like,
7: oh. when you
5: let go of them, they scoop up the body and
10: do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
5: Yeah, that could work, yeah. That's right.
7: <laughs> Yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> and then the repeated snake man, you know, with the goat's head. Mm. Oh, yeah. What a guy. Rink, Dark. Rink. Yeah.
10: My only um, criticism, I think I mentioned this recently, of uh, the opening titles is... Mm. I don't know if it's only recently, but I, yeah, when the snake does, yeah, does it? It doesn't look like it makes contact with the agent. <laughs> <laughs> it it kind, of, kind of it goes of it. near him, and then sort of, I, I thought. I've always thought he just like just faints, so or like Maybe I, you did. know from fear. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't. It it took me a while to realise that's another agent being taken out. Blood on his neck. I might be wrong. Yeah, well,
5: uh,
6: possible.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
6: was that was Bane's one too. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. well, I always
9: rather pages. like pains. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Bit tasteless, you know? Not bother these bobs. <laughs> really, hey. the podcast. Keep
12: uh, moving, going. Keep the strong going. Y'all keep the strong
9: going.
5: Right, Harry. No cue. Discuss. I assume you've picked me. Uh, well, I don't know, but
10: <laughs> I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with it. I don't. I'm far more forgiving of it than a lot of people seem to be I don't think it needed to not have Q at all I don't think <laughs> oh yeah they have got they need to have a break from Q anything like that but I don't think it stops it being a James Bond film I don't think it leaves a big hole or anything like that yeah i you know, have no criticism of it at all I'd, I'd be happy if he was in it but I'm not I'm not thinking I'm not going through every scene oh crumbs, you know it's half an hour it's still not yeah. been accused boyfriend's still not been accused. It are near the end. now There's not <laughs> been accused. Of. It's no. It was not It's it's fine. Absolutely fine by me for this Funny. one film or for anything. Yeah,
8: I, I'm desperate for this to be on a T-shirt. Crumbs, there's not been accused. <laughs> yeah, <Bob>, do it.
5: So niche. You don't realise do you when you watch it because there's so. Now
1: I wonder if it's another reason again that I say this feels like it. It feels like a sort of like different Roger Moore yeah. film. I mean, yeah. I've got, yeah, it's Roger Moore films and *Live and Let Die*, and here's another reason it's mm. grounded it in be. reality. The whole film.
10: And There's no M's the office. There is there, or is there M's larger office.
1: Larger than life Q scene, mm. and and I don't mind at all. I'm completely with you. Uh, uh, I'm perfectly happy to have one film without Q. That's that's my limit. But I, I think it works fine. It would be weird to just cram him in. I mean, what's it what's it going to provide? I suppose mm. we could turn up with yeah. or something, but. Um, well, I, love, I absolutely love Desmond and this Q but no I don't miss it but again I think it's another reason that this film <laughs> feels different to all the other Roger Moore yeah. Bond- yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. About Q. all the other Bond films in general I would say Steve yeah, yeah. right. it's really yeah, out yeah. on its
9: own some of you guys have previously said this that one of the reasons it does work or it isn't too much of an issue is because they don't disregard gadgets there's still yes. gadgets yeah, in yeah. it yeah.
7: it's
10: not a shunning of Q or gadgets it's no, just no no it's just no, because they went round to his no house. Time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I was just going to say, is there a, a scene in M's office, or is that the only M
6: scene? No, no, oh, no.
5: still the scene. So even it it lacks all that, doesn't it? Bond's apartment, you know, it's Skyfall again, very similar. Yeah,
6: because that's that's the only place where Q's mentioned money It because Moneypenny gives him the watch, saying it's from Q's Yeah, yeah. Giving him
5: his watch. And we assume that he Q made the coffee machine. I do anyway. I don't. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is that all it does? It's So funny. Yeah. <laughs> Guy, Guy Hamilton, like, oh,
0: I don't think that they'd sorry. fund that. Well, yeah.
7: yeah. yeah. A waste of government yeah, yeah. resources. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Well, well fancy yeah. coffee yeah. Yeah. machine. Can
9: you imagine, <laughs> like, the conversation we have with John Richardson? So, John, you made these gadgets. <laughs> how, did, how did you make the coffee machine? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's just yeah. the end. It's larger than life. Oh, dear
5: <laughs> me. I'm not ready to do a John Richardson impression yet, but it'll come. <laughs> Don't <laughs> Think of Guy Hamilton, like, well, what, what an amazing reception! The first proper massive QC scene with Desmond Llewellyn, the ejector seat, and then oh. Darms off forever. Yeah, Q's out. He's in the field. He comes to Las Vegas, and then Guy So I'm just sorry we haven't we haven't had a QC scene. Is that? <laughs> I don't, I don't, you not know. this time. Yeah. yeah. Don't want it. Not today. <laughs> want it. Yeah. He gets told off the whole film, doesn't he? Yeah. He yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I think it's it's not done for any deliberate reason or we're trying to strip that bond or anything like no. that. No. I think it is because there's no time. Like he, he's in his apartment. He's got to go straight away and then mm, that's yeah. it, isn't it? Yeah. If, yeah. Wouldn't, if Q had come round as well to the apartment, that wouldn't have. Yeah,
10: money penny being there is already a little bit. Already.
5: Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is straying too much from the formula for me. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Q was in the long car. Long. You never know. Q oh, might have yeah.
10: been in the back seat. Like Q, just stay. <laughs> yeah. Stay.
7: Can I,
1: um, as Chris isn't here, can I just throw in the Doctor Who geekdom uh, at this point because it's the the radio transmitter that Roger Moore uses. He later sold. To Doctor Who to use in a Tom Baker. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, the story is Roger Moore was on a visit for some reason to the BBC. I don't know if he was appearing on a chat show or if he was in something they were filming, and he somehow got chatting to the Doctor Who guys. Obviously, that show was huge at the time with Tom Baker. He had the radio transmitter from Live and Let Die with him and the props guy was basically, "Oh, we we, we need to make something like that for this scene we're doing." And, and Roger Moore did a deal and sold it to them. <laughs> I, thinking, I mean, Roger Moore's a, a very wealthy film star. <laughs> what on earth was he going to get for a, you know, a low-budget show like Doctor Who for a, for a prop? Yeah, I mean, why sell it? I, I just can't imagine what he sold it for. It must be such a small amount of money. And uh, but he did. I've heard. I've heard Roger Moore tell the story, and you can see it in, in this. Uh, this Revenge of the Cyberman Doctor Who story. It's the same radio transmitter.
5: Oh. <laughs> I did not know that, Steve. That's brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> very good. <laughs> The best gadgets, yes. You mentioned Chris. He Chris loves a good radio transmitter, doesn't he? In Skyfall, the, yes. the, the <laughs> biggest... <laughs> anyway. Uh... <laughs> okay Well, go on to Felix first, because to many people, David Hedison is... Well, to Rob, certainly, and many others, he's the number one Felix. And he makes a great impression in this film, I think. Couldn't agree more. I, I just love Hedison, totally. <laughs> um, I think his warmness... What I love mm.
8: about, uh, very much about this Felix is that he's seen with two separate James Bonds across, yeah, well yeah. over a decade. You know, like it's what is it? It's it's I'm, I'm awful with maths. What is it? Nearly sixteen years? Sixteen years?
0: Yeah, yeah he's sixteen. Years. Yeah, yeah.
8: Yeah, that that's outstanding, isn't it? That just and to see their affection, um, but also Hexen is obviously a jolly good actor, into you know, like to be able to maintain that warmth of character across. 16 years and two, you know, two different incarnations mm. of his opposite. I just think he's lovely. I think everything about him is everything that I'd want from a Felix Leiter. He's competent. He's warm. He's gracious. He's ingratiating. He's fun. He's funny. And you root for him and you buy their relationship more than anything yeah. else. Yeah. You know, I buy that they're friends. And I think that's probably helped because the fact that they are friends. They were friends yeah. in real life, weren't they? Yeah. Uh, Hedison and uh, Moore. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think as time has gone, you know, I'd love, I'd love for something to change this, but at the moment, he will always be my definitive Felix lighter. Yeah,
6: absolutely. Yeah, I just wished he'd have been in more, more, yeah, more uh, yeah. films. Actually,
4: this is, this is the only Felix appearance,
6: isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's um, he's he's
1: he, he's the only uh, Felix lighter to me that I genuinely believe has warmth towards James Bond more than any. You just see a natural friendship and he yeah. delivers it with more and he delivers it with Dalton. I actually think particularly in *Living and Let Die, I, I think there's a confidence in his performance. Hedison was already quite a big star at the time, wasn't he, on, on TV? So I guess he had plenty of confidence coming into it. And um, as you say, I, he was friends with Roger Moore and obviously Roger was probably nervous. So it was good for him to have a pal around. And I bet that really... Really meant a lot to Roger as well on on that shoot, mm. and, and you just see this incredible warmth. And as you say, everything you said, Rob. I mean, he's um, he, he's the definitive one for me. No, no one's ever mm.
7: topped.
1: I, I can't see anyone could ever top top him as as uh, feelings.
7: Yeah. And
4: also the link between you know the novel *Live and Let Die*. Yeah, and yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Killing yeah. him, losing the. I don't know whether that was deep in the thinking. Thought, or it's but... a really interesting link, there.
9: Yeah. Well, my my brother David, when we went watching it at the cinema last year, he he's on the um, post-chart thing that we sent in, all his thing was about how Live and Let Die and Licence to Kill yeah. complement oh, yeah. each other. Yeah, about, yeah. like, you know, how they're both drugs, you know, they're based around drug yeah. smuggling stories, yeah. the sharks, yeah. you know, there's it wasn't quite... wasn't
10: a Baron Sam D. Joe Butcher link. <laughs> there <laughs> yeah, was,
9: but yeah. I don't know. I, don't, I can't remember what it is, and I'm not well, going just to try really, Just a leader, I think. Yeah, all right, fair enough, yeah. Who's covering uh, up the, the drug yeah. enterprise. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
10: Yeah, well, there it is. Yeah, it was a really (laughs) uh, convincing argument.
1: Yeah, Do you know if anyone um, has ever asked John Glenn or anyone on any podcast or whatever why they didn't go to John Terry again, having just cast him with Dolphin? Yeah, it is. It's
10: such an interesting, it seems very deliberate,
1: because I, I don't think John Terry's anything particularly great, but then he doesn't really have anything to do, so I That's don't. A, no, no. And I, I, I can't. You know, I've not seen him other things, but he's been in quite a lot of other stuff. So yeah, I shouldn't he's no. That,
5: he's a good. Uh, I think for um, the continuity
10: sake, it would have been good to have him. Yeah, yeah.
6: So um, um, I means so yeah. to develop
10: that Dalton relationship.
6: It probably yeah, would absolutely. have cemented his role into it as well. Wouldn't yeah. that would have mm. been a good vehicle for
10: him. But casting Hedison for *Licensed Kill* is like that second wave of thinking. I'm only speaking for myself here that second wave of thinking that I couldn't have thought of that mm-hmm. worked so well. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, wow, actually, that. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It does seem all, bigger there that I hadn't conceived myself.
5: I almost think it's like, this. I've never thought about this before, but it's even sadder that he, because he's obviously quite a bit older than Della, that he's he's finally settled down after a really... Yes. Yeah. Race. It built, he's it's, probably not he yeah, might not have kids yeah. he might not have a family this is his, finally his retirement and it's yeah. just yeah. all taken away from him that's a
8: really don't, good make, don't make me cry for I theater. know I'm going oh,
5: to get please after. dear yeah.
8: me
7: yeah.
8: I'd love you know just to hark back to John Terry slightly I, I wonder if there's you know like some immense set of you know Living Daylights diaries somewhere where he yeah. was revealed to be an on-set monster yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can't can't seat, no, no, just like an, he's, <laughs> he's a, he's a
7: Animal,
5: this fella. We yeah, yeah. well, he's
1: Going to sleep with the wife of one oh, of the other actors.
5: I was going to yeah. say yeah. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 exactly. Yeah. Oh dear, we
7: keep That's saying not an accusation for legal time. reasons that is not an accusation.
5: Yeah. It's just we're no. having no. a chat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right here we go. Best allies. The sheriff's in town. Come on! Oh, he's, not
7: oh, he's, not he's not an ally. he's not an ally. He's
5: not an ally. A... <laughs> no. he, he made an well episode
7: an ally <laughs> by <laughs>
4: circumstance, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's
5: now. I'll, I'll leave others to to talk right. about in a Bob, please. I've... No. What was he? Was he popular at the time? Surely.
6: No. No. Swift <laughs> so, response. I, I never liked his character from the first scene right to the oh, end God. of the Man with the Golden Gun.
5: It, is that because it's is it too silly or is it just taken? Yes,
6: I think it on? is. Yeah, I think it. I think it's because you would never. <laughs> obviously, Bond would never want to be associated with him. <laughs> uh, he's too brash. <laughs> but he does love a little elephant, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, his wife does
6: anyway. No, no, I, I, I never ever warmed to him, I really didn't. But Bond can't, cannot stand him, can he? No, Especially
5: I know. Yeah, he no. hates the guy,
6: yeah. <laughs> he does,
7: he's
5: <laughs> braced when he, you know, he's in the car, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
8: I love you know, like, because um, I would have automatically put him in the Allies category <laughs> yeah. because that's how his how his how his how his character finishes up. But actually, it like he starts off as a like a, a tier Z villain, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, he's an antagonist. He's he is. Going, yeah. You know,
8: he's giving an ornament to anybody at the start. But he's, I, I don't know. I think so much of um, this is probably clouded by uh, certain members of my family uh, who are older than me, quoting him endlessly, secret
7: agent. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
8: On whose
7: side? <laughs> <laughs>
8: That's my... So you do love him,
4: Bob. So... <laughs>
7: There's a son of a bitch I got.
9: It. What are you Some kind of doomsday machine, boy.
11: Well, we got a cage strong enough to hold an animal like you here. Captain, would you enlighten the sheriff, please? Yes, sir. JW, let me have a word with you. JW, now this fellow's from London, England. He's an Englishman working in cooperation with our boys. A sort of secret agent.
6: Secret agent? On whose side? By the end, you know, by the end. Because
8: he is, like, is he, he's got a quite consistent character, Art, really. <laughs> like, like It's all logical. It makes sense that he finds out he's a secret agent, then they bump into each other in, you know, the other yeah. side of the world and <laughs> wants to support him again. So, you know, makes total sense. Um, in James Bond Top Trumps, yeah, he's a strong card for me. <laughs> but, um, but I, I, I he, love he, him. I love, yeah, I, I love him, I love, I love him. I've got no I problem, and I do love him. But I understand yeah. why you might not like him, though. I'll give that to him.
1: When I was a kid, I used to love... I just loved cars crashing. and it's probably because my mum crashed a lot of cars and it was a family thing. But <laughs> I uh, So I used to love Smokey and the Bandit and Cannonball Run and all those things, and he fits perfectly into that, yeah, yeah, film, yeah. doesn't he? Uh, so as a kid, I absolutely thought he was just a brilliant character. And, and, yeah. and we start this, and we all know... You know, we all think, oh, you look down on him a bit. And then there we are, quoting his lines. I love it, yeah. Because the line's are so funny, and he, and he does deliver them well. And I was just reading about the actor. He's actually from the north of America. Yeah. He's <laughs> up in New York. So he's, I mean, he's a yeah. great accent, he does. doesn't he? Yeah. He pulls off yeah. that Southern, stereotypical Southern oh. sheriff. Brilliant. <laughs> I think he's better yeah. in this than in The Golden Gun. I, find, I think they tried to milk it a bit too much in The <laughs> Golden Gun. Really? But I still, I still quite enjoy him in that, but... I think he's brilliant. Oh,
6: oh, I know what
1: Johnson say there.
9: Got... I love him in the Golden <laughs> Gun. I am. <laughs> he's a Burke, but he's an absolute legend of a Burke. <laughs>
5: oh, Rob, does he remind you of this Is that kind of? <laughs> oh. <laughs> This this absolutely can't go
8: into the car. <laughs> absolutely can't go into the Especially anyway.
5: a little, like die, you know, in the car, that kind of behavior and all yeah. Oh dear. I tell
8: you what 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 does like I do often find myself say, if anyone ever overtakes me, I can't help going like
7: some kind of doomsday machine, boy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, uh,
8: there's <laughs> endless material, but I know I think it's, mm. it's super quotable actually. And I think, like, sometimes it's, it's a very Spielberg thing, actually, isn't it? To have those moments of levity in a big car mm. chase or a big yeah. action sequence or whatever, he <laughs> <You> just wants <laughs> to bring an awful lot of levity. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I again I, I, I just
6: love the guy to pieces. I do love the utter confusion on his face when he's he's trying to take. Uh, control of the situation, and then, and then the, the, the boat comes flying over it. Into, into <laughs> yeah, the car and he's going
9: like <laughs> <laughs> what a guy.
5: Like the the other policeman almost like treating like a child has to say. Yeah, you know, like explain yeah. to this guy. That, like yeah. I don't know he's going to cry. You know when he finds out because it's just
4: Yeah, a... and obviously Billy Bob, you
5: know, Billy Bob.
7: Billy
6: Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yes. is out he... shower,
5: He's is sick it made an English
6: secret? Uh, is an oyster
9: farmer who drives yeah,
5: past yeah, them? Are
9: like, yeah. oh, it's
5: just <laughs> so good! Oh yeah, that yeah. I think
10: <laughs> if, if regardless of whether you think it should be in the film or not, surely everyone agrees that it is unbelievably well executed. Oh, like, yeah. it is perfectly it is done. What it's
6: meant to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great think...
10: dialogue, great scenes, his yeah. interactions, the role he plays. Everyone, you know, the joke is on him. It's brilliant. Yeah. And you know what? There's a moment of subtlety with him. And that—that
1: that is when Bond breaks through the blockade and, you know, just smashes straight through in the boat. And then the sheriff arrives and sees his deputy getting out of the water and you expect him to say something. And he doesn't say anything. He just kind of looks at him and just shakes his head. And it's sort of like, <laughs> it would have been so easy to just throw another line. Another line, light, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> funnier that he doesn't. And he just, yeah. See, there's even <laughs> subtlety in his performance.
5: Because he's like... John Glenn would love this kind of character. Yeah. But he wouldn't, he wouldn't have him for like... Give him that much, Square. Yeah. He'd just be a, a passerby <laughs> and just quickly deal with him. With a,
6: with a pigeon on his shoulder.
5: Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's the same character, but done in an instance, isn't it? Yeah. A flicker or something.
6: JW.
9: Oh, what a guy.
7: JW. Fantastic. Where are you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <yeah, yeah.
9: laughs> uh, what... I mean, again,
5: what? <laughs> Such a weird film, and then he's in it.
7: Again. I, I, oh, so yeah,
10: oh, I love it. it. And in all whole discussion, when you brought him up, I got a real surprise. I'd forget. I, when you brought him yeah, up a few yeah. ago, I'd forgotten. We haven't even talked about him. Yeah, I suppose uh, with you know you've not got Q, who's often there for a bit of comic relief. Well, you really oh, yeah. do need yeah.
1: to do When you've got W Pepper in there. <laughs> <laughs>
5: go on now to a thing I think we're all agreed the song is I mean it's oh. either in the top one or the top two isn't it probably yeah, most absolutely. most people's James Bond song list mm-hmm. and I I do love that story behind it that first of all they got George Martin involved and then was it was it I was, was it um, Harry Saltzman who said well who you've got for the song well Paul obviously but
7: hmm
5: not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, he... No, no, he, they, they,
7: no they were he, played. They were
1: played. The Paul he, McCartney they recorded were it. it.
6: Yeah. Sorry, he'd, record, he'd recorded it. And, and, and he, was, he was saying, yeah, it's a good song, but we we're going to get to sing. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, you've got you've got a Beatle. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> so funny, some of these. Yeah.
6: What I mean, Harry if... if kind of I'm going to say, if, they, if they'd have gone along with a lot of... Harry's yeah. ideas, I don't think it would be anywhere near as successful as what he has been. Didn't he, mm-hmm. he?
5: He hated the, was it Goldfinger, the song? Thought so it was rub, absolute rubbish, I think. Diamonds,
6: he didn't like oh, diamonds. Diamonds, yeah. <laughs> he didn't, diamonds. Just, uh, hold no. it, touch it,
7: <laughs> feel it.
6: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, said, he, was, he said it's pornographic.
5: Yeah. Well, yeah. It, well yeah. he got it right, didn't he? He, he <laughs> wanted the clown scene notx so mm. it wasn't number one but it must have been a massive hit at the time I mean presumably. yes yeah, I, I,
6: I, I absolutely loved it yeah. I, I love it as well as well as the song I think the the titles absolutely fit yeah. perfectly I, um, yeah, yeah. With, the, with the schools yeah, and the yeah. fire and the sparks it it's fantastic yeah, yeah no that really really did appeal to me at the time I was listening to uh, Wings at the time because I think Band on the Run had just oh. uh, got to number one. The the, the album as well yeah, as clap. the single. And I had got the LP of uh, Band on the Run, so I was really aware of McCartney uh, and Wings. That's, that's probably what drew me into it as well.
5: If you're worried about we've got a new actor, like, well, we're getting Paul McCartney to do the, the song. I know Harry was bothered yeah, yeah. about that, but... That's quite
10: a bit. Yeah,
6: question. I think it went a long way. Oh
5: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
10: What on earth did you have to do to get a number one in those days? Yeah, if if this wasn't number one,
6: mm. exactly. Yeah, um... and
10: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that's too yeah. big a question to answer. Yeah. But
4: yeah, you don't. It's not yeah. all on you to answer. That. Yeah,
10: yeah. <laughs> but, but but could you at least say, even though it wasn't number one, the nation was slightly captivated by it? Was it or?
6: Yes, I think they were. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Only I mean, got to
1: you got to number nine here in the UK and, and number two in America. Sold a million yeah, copies. Mm. I mean, and you got to remember that back then, getting to the top ten here was massive. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, yeah. You know, three, three singles and a and a bag of peanuts, and you you're in the top ten. But back then, <laughs> it <was> a massive, <laughs> massive dip to get in the top ten. It,
6: yeah, Oscar it, as
5: well.
1: There
6: as well. It's it's criminal the 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 singles, the title songs. It's criminal that nothing has really done huge up until Adele. Mm. I mean, even uh, Duran Duran did that within the top ten were they?
1: Yeah, they got to number well, one in
5: America. Review to a kill
1: in America. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think you got Go two here.
5: here. I think you got some two. Yeah, I think. um Sam Smith was the first number one here. Yeah, I think it was. Mm, wow. Yeah. How memorable it was.
6: I'm going to say, looking at my experience at the time, I mean, obviously, I'd um, I'd seen Golden Gun, but I didn't think <laughs> anything of George Martin's music not being right. It, yeah. it fit yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, and even absolutely. even now, I've, I mean, I absolutely idolise John Barry. There's absolutely nothing wrong with George Martin. No, I, no. I just wished you'd have done another one.
7: Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah, definitely one of
9: my favourite
1: scores of any film.
6: Terrific yeah. track, but the whole yeah.
1: score is just absolutely brilliant and fits that film perfectly. Yeah. It, it does. does, yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. I yeah, can
6: yeah. remember, that I can remember off the off the LP the track that really hit me, and I kept playing. It was the San Mini <laughs> track. The, yeah. It was it was it fabulous. It yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: that yeah. one.
6: That one. Yeah, really melodic,
5: isn't it? And yeah, very melodic. That sort of added action theme that's in it, like the...
6: Yeah, yeah, I think it's best used in the first car chase as well. Yeah, where you Ooh, see the yeah. setup of him shooting the yeah. driver, Charlie, yeah. with, the, with the door. Yeah,
5: oh, Charlie, yeah, that's a good, another great scene, isn't it? Charlie, yeah, yeah great
11: ally, yeah. <laughs> Hey, easy, Charlie. Let's get there in one piece. Charlie?
9: one of the things with the living like die score as well uh, score and song is and I I personally think that Barry uh, was inspired by this for Man with the Golden Gun is the instrumental bit in living like die do, 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 yeah. is just perfect for the use of action in the film yeah it's like so when your kick action kicks in do, 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 it yeah. comes in, oh, and yeah. it's almost yeah. like I—I yeah. I, I genuinely think that Barry was inspired by that when he gets to Gordon Gunn, yeah. yes,
0: yeah. and it's definitely.
9: like that inspiration. Let's find a little yeah. musical cue that kicks action in. Yeah, that's McCartney yeah. who's written that. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. No
5: wonder, right? Yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't think he did many film scores because this is just. But the <laughs> do a Bond song, all right? It's so much of it is instrumental.
9: But, and they, but this yeah. this Bond score, this Bond song, is like nothing. No other Bond song before it, is it? Oh no,
7: no. It's
9: a rock and roll song with a yeah. with a bit of reggae in the middle, and <laughs> yeah. you know, and and then action like some music. action music. I mean, it's it's a it's yes, a culmination yes. of ideas. Really, it, it could quite easily have been on the White Album. It's that kind of Beatles like oh. kind of thing. Is it's amazing.
6: Um, I have to admit
8: that I didn't like it for years growing up. Because I just, and I'll be completely honest, it was because I didn't understand it.
2: I still yeah. don't know whether
8: I understand it now, but I <laughs> like. I certainly appreciate it now. Do you it's mean how it, like sh- it switches up. moods and stuff? It's like all sorts of different moods. Um, I, I've got to be real. I've never been a big fan of McCartney's voice. I'm so sorry. On the song um, just
5: in general, right? Just in general,
8: actually. Yeah. I'm afraid. Um, but that's so you with being, Harry Saltzman
5: then. You, you yeah. oh, no, a
8: I'm... <laughs> <laughs> an unlikely ally, perhaps. Yeah. Um, like, really? uh, yeah. like like J W. Yeah,
2: <laughs>
8: um, yeah I, I think no, that. I, I think I was just misunderstood because listening to the song, um, obviously, uh, in the last five to ten years, it's it's just an outstanding <laughs> journey that's so with a grandstanding finish. It's outstanding, hmm. and I, I've done a full one eighty on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm, I, I I'm think it's a
1: kind of, of McCartney's voice, Rob. I'm, I'm with you on that. But on this song, I, I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's one of those singers who I always think is about to go out of tune and and actually, <laughs> yeah. actually quite often does. Yeah. But on that, it's um, <laughs>
7: phenomenal.
5: I agree. He's never going to be one of the, you know, what a voice. But it's, he's, I mean, he's such an unbelievable songwriter. That's oh, yeah. mm. I know John <laughs> will probably compare him to Noel in that, Noel Gallagher in that respect, maybe, but.
9: Uh, I love Noel Gallagher, but there's no comparison between McCartney and Noel Gallagher. <laughs> I think
4: it's one of the greatest oh. songs of all time.
9: Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is. I, I think
4: beyond it's Bond, it, it's so good that it was a, they went for an exciting Bond song, which yeah, yeah, you know, we haven't had for ages. Well. But yeah, it's just unbelievable. And I think when we were discussing it couple of years ago now with Matt Kanzik on um, oh, one of the
5: uh songbook episodes <laughs> yeah
4: we yeah. said that there's almost an element of Bohemian Rhapsody to it and that there's, yeah. di- there's different yeah, things yeah, going yeah. on and it's like it almost slows down and starts up and yeah. st- you know so it's just an Le- absolute tra- tremendous league piece of music that you know still gets played on on the radio now and mm-hmm. he still does it when he's performing
9: live and bands like to cover it don't they absolutely yeah, yeah. Guns and Roses, of course, and obviously it's sung in the film.
7: Yeah,
6: yeah,
5: yeah. Obviously, Guns and Roses, dude. Yeah, going to a guns- You know, Guns and Roses playing in a New Orleans bar. Yeah. By? Yeah. yeah. by the way, that bar. How many like lifts and swimming? Yeah, bars yeah. Uh, yeah. You
1: got? I mean that building's amazing. Yeah, gotta <laughs> do it. Yeah,
5: Sorry. right, right. <laughs> 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 I do love the version of it the film I think yeah so. yeah. I just yeah. wish there was a full length three yeah. minute version of it but I could hear her sing the whole because I don't I think even on the soundtrack her version is just no and then it's just instrumental it goes metal, yeah then, yeah you know, no, it's,
1: <laughs> it's the first Bond pop song isn't it for a title they were all they'd all been ballads and yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it is it's the first pop song it changed what they thought they could do with the Bond types?
5: Absolutely. Song. Yeah. Because it well, there you go, you see. If you stick with the same geniuses all the time, you'll you'll still get brilliant Bond songs. But it took someone who is a genius but out completely outside who's almost bigger than Bond to think, sorry, I'm gonna this yeah. is what I think a Bond song should be like. And it, I I c I can't believe it's it's only you think a bit like Bohemian Rhapsody, you think well, it must be about six minutes long this songs there's so much in it, but it's only about three minutes, isn't it? I couldn't believe it when I Played, yeah. played recently. It was all
14: over fairly quickly. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dom here. I just wanted to quickly record some of my thoughts about Live and Let Die and the 50th anniversary. Now first of all, I'm really excited about this because Live and Let Die for me is almost at the top of my James Bond film <laughs> rankings and I just love it to be honest. I know lots of people aren't keen but I just really like it. Roger Moore's debut in this sort of thing and... Seven films and what an innings he had doing Bond. He's probably one of my favourites actually, thinking about it. But the things that stand out for me are about Living That Die, the pre-titled sequence. First of all, there's no James Bond in it, it just shows everything's in trouble and who's gonna put a stop to all of this mess? Of course, Bond. But we realise after the epic song, by the way, McCartney and Wings and the Guns and Roses version, that he starts off Himself in the bed with a woman, like what a way to start off his role, like Connery in the casino and Timothy Dalton, you know, on a mission, and Pierce is the same. But no, nope, James Bond in bed, Rogers in the bed with a woman. That's how it. That's how it carries on. It just holds up so well after fifty years. I mean, the stunt work of this film, the boat chase, the bus chase, it's not CGI, and you know they were doing that stuff for real, and it just the crocodile you know, he's jumping over the crocodiles, I mean, not Roger, but the stunt guy, I mean, that was that must have been very brave of him, obviously we've got the epic cast of Live and Let Die as well, I know it was a time of the Spectation era, and I don't know too much about the history, but, so you've got a lot of black characters, um, He, you know, he's one of my favourite henchmen, with his mechanical arm, and the outlives his boss as well, and the train fight at the end, I, I like He in the way Breaks James Bond's gun in the um, New York scene where you meet Solitaire for the first time. Uh, Kananga of course and Mr. Big. I didn't really understand when I was young the uh, correlation between the two but obviously it's apparent now but it looks a bit silly when you think about it but as a as a kid it was like what? What Are they real? Are they two? Yeah so... Solitaire, of course, what a bon girl she is. I mean, a bit strange, but with the card reading and stuff and those outfits, my word, imagine if they made a film like that and they used the outfits like that then. That would just be some, wouldn't it? But one thing I don't understand is when they get away from the island and they're going back to New Orleans and they get stuck at the airport, she throws her handbag at him. What's that all about? It's like a turn of... I'm not really sure, maybe because he's failed at saving her and he's, she's no use to killing anymore, I'm not really sure, but anyway, that brings us on to Mrs Bell, you're not my usual instructor, I mean I like Mrs Bell, who doesn't like Mrs Bell, yep, Felix Leiter as well, uh, David Hedison's debut as Felix Leiter, he's definitely one of the best Felixes for me, and I'm so pleased he comes back in *Licensed to Kill, I know it's one of your guys favourites, so... Yeah, I like uh, Felix, Like he's a good Felix, and I mean, they had a friendly relationship in real life, Roger Moore and Henderson, and it sort of shows here, so that's good for me. The locations as well, it's New York, downtown New York, or Harlem, wherever they are, and then San Monique, the Caribbean island, fictional, but I guess Jamaica, or wherever it is. J.W. Pepper, we can't forget about him, and he's epic, isn't he? It's just like that guy who chases after Bond in the car. And I, I watched the clip the other day, I don't know, maybe he knows about this cop and he's like, Oh, here he is, this rubbish cop, and yeah, but he's memorable, isn't he, J.W. Pepper? You can't get enough of him. I really like the soundtrack for Live and Let Die because it's unique. It's not like any of the John Barry ones. With John Barry, we've got a lot of variation of soundtracks, like their own themes, if you like. So A View to a Kill, An pussy. Man with the Golden Gun, Moonraker and so forth and so forth. Live and Let Die is its only unique one where if George Martin doing this funky James Bond theme song and all the soundtrack, so things that stand out for me are the New York taxi chase or taxi ride when the taxi gets taxi driver gets shot and Bond meets Solitaire for the first time. If he finds it kill him, that stuff, the crocodile, after the crocodile uh, stunt, when he finally kills Adam in the boat, and the music before he does the he has the fight with Kananga as well. I really enjoy Live and Let Die's soundtrack, and it does stand out for me.
12: Hello, it's Patch here, just thought I'd share some thoughts on Live and Let Die for its 50th anniversary. So first and foremost, I'd say its greatest success is in enabling Roger Moore to establish himself in the role, without explicitly echoing the style that Connery had set for himself in his performance. I think whereas George Lazenby and On The Majesty's Secret Service was in some ways too similar to Connery in the way Bond was written and played, here, Roger makes his Bond different, but not radically so. After all, you've not only got to convince audiences that he's the same character, but also have them accept him in the long term. And that's probably why the script has quite a few parallels to Doctor No. It would make sense if they're deliberately included in order to help the audience feel more comfortable that this is the same franchise with all the escapism that drew them in. So let's go over a few standout moments that I quite liked. For example, the snake scene. I think it builds the tension really well thanks to George Martin's score and the way that Bond fails to notice the snake until the very last moment. Half of everything is luck, James. And the fact that the score doesn't stop for a little longer, as so to keep the audience in suspense until Rosie appears, I think that's really, really good. Such a well edited scene. And the Crocodile Farm set piece, that's easily one of the best in the series, because Guy Hamilton once again uses the trump card of his directorial style where he's playing with the audience's expectations, making sure that Bond doesn't just take the easy way out by using his gadgets, and instead relies on his intuition and wits. Hence when we get that amazing stunt of him leaping over live crocodiles. Good grief. Now some might think the boat chases a little too long, but with all the great comedy stuff with Sheriff Pepper to accompany it, I think it actually flies by. Although I will say I actually prefer Pepper's inclusion in Golden Gun more, maybe because somehow he, he just seems funnier there to me even though he's not in his original context. Even so, he's still a highlight in this film for how hilariously quotable his dialogue is. Now for the characters, this film has one of the most entertaining and unique casts of the series, and if I were to talk about all of them, I'd be here all day, so I'll just settle with a few, starting with Dr. Kananga, our main villain. Like with much of the film's style, he's very refreshing as the main antagonist simply because he's not the same sort of world domination-hungry megalomaniacs that we had in the past couple of films. After all, Aside from Goldfinger, we've had Spectre in nearly every film up to this point. No, instead, his plan is more low-key, and so more of the energy goes into Yafit Koha's performance, which is brilliantly sinister and captivating. I know Guy Hamilton was rather frustrated with how Koto tried to play as you know, being almost jealous and inspired by Bond, but it is one of those little touches that makes him very memorable. A pity that his death scene of him exploding like a balloon looks so comical though. Now I think Jane Seymour adds quite a bit to her part of Solitaire. She sells the character's conflict at how to react to the way the tarot cards guide her fate really well, as well as how that plays into her growing fear of Kananga. You know, I think the the whole gist of it is that Seymour takes what's in the script and manages to make Solitaire even more empathetic because she's so vulnerable. And whilst Bond does treat her horribly at points, by the time we get to the final scene on the train just before the fight with Teehee, you can't help but feel really happy for her, now that she's gained her freedom. All that stuff about feeling like a complete woman for the first time in her life that she says, it's just a bit of extra depth that makes her stand out amongst other Bond girls. And I love how we have some foreshadowing for her being at the voodoo sacrifice we first saw in the pre-credits, and then when Bond first arrives on Saint Monique, you see it happening in the performance with Baron Samedi. It just increases the sense of urgency in that part of the climax, you know? There is a bit of a mystery that's puzzled me on recent viewings, though. Who sent Bond the Queen of Cups card? If it was Solitaire, it implies she purposely warned Bond about Rosie being a double agent. And why would she do that when she knows that would make Kananga angry? It's a plot point which is confusing since it's never picked up on again. One wonders whether Tom Mankiewicz intends to come back to it later in the story, but simply forgot to address it because of the time-consuming process of the screenwriting. After all, So much was riding on this film gelling with audiences, so getting the main elements of the Bond formula right were probably more important. And thankfully, it all paid off very well indeed. Had this film not succeeded, and Roger Moore hadn't been accepted by audiences, who knows what would have happened to the franchise. Though I personally rank some of his other films higher than this one, Roger's been my favourite James Bond since I first got into the series. And I'm glad that this film gave us such a uniformly good era with him in the role. Happy 50th of Live and Let Die.
2: Hi, this is Tom Spath from Los Angeles. Very happy to be able to just share a few thoughts about Live and Let Die, which is one of my favorite Bond films. It's generally, I think, always fallen in like the top three, certainly top five for me since the beginning of time. I saw it in the cinemas in 1973 twice when I was just 12 years old. And it wasn't my first James Bond film, my parents had taken us to see a triple feature of Goldfinger from Rushwood Love and Dr. No at the drive-in in uh, in the late 60s, and on my 11th birthday my dad took me to see Diamonds Are Forever in the cinemas. Um, That would have been January 72, but I guess by the time I was 12, it was okay for me to go into the movies on my own riding my bike to the theaters and uh, seeing mostly whatever I wanted to see. Uh, There wasn't too much supervision, and I have a theory about the James Bond movie you see just as you're becoming a teenager, you know, age 12, age 13, I think it's the perfect age to see one of these movies, and whatever movie you see at that age, it can, it becomes the defining James Bond movie for you in some way. It's the kind of thing that sort of bonds you to the series, oh, if you'll pardon me. It would be the one against which you kind of measure every other film. I remember just before the film came out, there was a preview article about it in Time Magazine, and it had pictures, very colorful pictures from the set and from certain of the action sequences. And there was an interview with the director, Guy Hamilton, in that article. And my recollection is, as he said, the pace of this movie is relentless. And I think he was absolutely right. It's just leaps from one thing to another. I mean we've got three deaths in the opening scene. We have Bond in bed for a little bit, and then he's in New York and then whispers Shoot, trying to shoot him off the highway. I mean, and that's all just the first ten pages of the uh, of the movie. And I remember a couple weeks later when the movie opened, I was incensed that the, uh, the review in Time magazine was, was very critical of him. Uh, the critic didn't really like it. And I was kind of whining about this, and my dad said, Look, he's a critic. It's his job. He, he's going to find things to criticize. Just enjoy the movie and don't be upset about what other people think. And that was always good advice, I thought. And this became the movie that I would try to see whenever possible so but this is of course pre-video pre-internet uh, anything like that so uh, when I was in college we ran it in 16 millimeter uh, so I saw it several times in that format and then I think it was on the ABC Sunday night movie uh, uh, once or twice and then it was absolutely one of the first VHS tapes I bought in the early 80s when you could start doing that and it was like 90 dollars to own uh, but since then of course I've owned it in every other possible home video format including laserdisc so i let me just touch on three or four of the things that i just really make me love this movie a lot and first i'm gonna say first and foremost it's roger moore and this again something about seeing roger moore being this cool when you're 12 years old he is just the coolest from from the opening scene and by the way this is the first time and the only time that an actor is introduced as james bond just in bed with a girl. That's genius. Because, you know, when you're age 12, 13, you're, you're starting to get ideas about, you know, being in bed with a girl someday. And so it, it's, it's from the opening scene uh, after the tech credits, it's just an aspirational film right down the line. I know the copy of the script that I've seen had a scene, an action scene with Bond and Miss Caruso uh, that was supposed to take place before we see them in bed together. I'm actually very glad they didn't, film that? I don't think they filmed it, and because it's just, I just love this introduction of of the new actor. It's, you know, the more you think about, it, the more you think about. It. That's pretty subversive and, and pretty pretty confident of them. To uh, well, we'll just start with uh, Roger and Ben. Yeah, it's hard to pick out just a, an individual favorite scene, but I would I would say that I like the scene where Bond meets Solitaire for the first time and Mr. Big for the first time. There's something about that whole scene. Roger looks great, but it also brings me to the second thing I like about this movie a lot, which is the, the integration of music, the soundtrack, and the image is just tremendous. And this is one where I bought the soundtrack on, a, on vinyl. It had a beautiful gatefold cover, and I, I had it memorized. So I can't separate the Bond meets Solitaire uh, scene from the music. It's so beautifully integrated. that You know, the the Bond theme coming in, just as he says his name, it's just fantastic. Uh, And there's other scenes like that, too, even, you know, the whole Whisper Who Dares track, uh, you know, when he's getting shot at and the car crashes on the FDR drive. I can't say the sentence, easy, Charlie, let's get there in one piece, without hearing that score in my head. And the the music cues during the the boat chase are tremendous, so I really love uh, the integration of, of the music and the image. And then... The other thing I like a lot, is, I would just say, is the imagery, the iconography of this movie. is um, It's just so stunning. The key art is fantastic. Everything to do with voodoo is fantastic. You've got speedboat coming out of a crocodile's mouth. You've got him sitting behind that big gun that never appears in the movie. I mean, just that, just those pictures are fantastic. Um, but you know, we're going to have a boat chase through the bayou. It's going to look just like you think a bayou should look. Uh, I love all of that. I think Jane Seymour is iconographic just by her appearance and by the way they've got her dressed. I love the different costume changes that Bond goes through uh, during the course of the movie. Oh, and I'm forgetting the tarot cards themselves. I mean, that's incredibly iconographic. You know, they're integrated very much into the key art of the poster and uh, very much a plot device. And here's a question for everyone. How many times did you have to see this movie before you realize that there was a deliberate 007 design on the back of those tarot cards. Because I don't think I saw it, noticed it right away For uh, until many viewings afterward. Uh, until I bought the original tarot card game and I saw, oh look, it says 007 on the back of these cards. Next time I see the movie, I'm going to have to see if that actually says that there. And it does. And they get away with it. But now, of course, I can't look at the movie without seeing those cards. But again, great, great imagery, just fantastic imagery. And a shout-out to, I mean, it's a great cast of bad guys and second-tier bad guys. I do want to give a great shout-out, though, to uh, Jeffrey Holder, who is just, again, iconographic, just just larger than life, just a perfect henchman. He's a perfect henchman, but also he's kind of otherworldly, right? And I like that part about him a lot. And also, the final point I'd like to make is that you can love a movie... A lot but still kind of never be afraid to admit its flaws or to point out the goofy things in it that, that amuse you I mean it always bothered me that we we don't get shown up front that Bond's watch can act as a saw so when they pull that in the very last act I'm like I felt like a little cheated also they mentioned that the, that the watch can deflect a bullet but we never actually get to see that I kind of was thinking geez shouldn't they test that thing out at a particular time I mean, that would have been a good gag right and just in terms of plot, who sends Bond the upside-down tarot card of the Queen of Clubs to warn him that Rosie's a traitor? I, I, I just can't figure it out. I don't know who sent it. It's there. And then, I just to wrap this part up, I like to do an article called The Disappearing Third Tier Henchman of Live and Let Dawn. There's a lot of bits to this, but just take, for instance, right at the end when Bond and Solitaire break into his grotto. Um, Mr. Big's Grotto, and there's Whisper, and there's two or three other henchmen standing right next to him. And then those guys just vanish, and and Bond is able to just single-handedly fight Kananga, and, and then they take the train out of there. And I'm like, where did these bad guys go? Who's, Are they getting paid to not guard the boss? Anyway, I just point these things out out of deep, abiding love for this movie. I'm so happy to be able to just share a few thoughts, Happy anniversary, Live and Let Die. And all the best to everybody listening to Really 007. Uh, You guys are running a great show there. Keep it up. Concluding
10: thoughts. I think it's brilliant. I think its strength, like so many Bond films, is one of the things we've all mentioned. I think Steve certainly mentioned it, that it's in a world of its own. It belongs to itself. It's... And, you know, at such a big junction where you're introducing a new Bond... Playing it safe might have been an option that a lot of people went for, fitting in, making the aesthetic seem like a Connery film, you know, all those things, but it didn't. It took the leap to new places and I think that's such a strength of it and it has lasted so well and stood the test of time. It's still thrilling to watch, it's still fascinating and still very cool, I think. I think the music is absolutely brilliant, When even though it's not Barry, I think it's probably the best non-Barry score. I think it's a great debut for Roger Moore. So much has to be said for the cast and the array of characters that you've got, particularly the villains. Pretty much every scene has someone in it that you love watching. There's never a lull where you're left with a character that you're, you know, this is, oh that's right, it's a talking scene, you know, or you know, it's a, a standard scene. Every character is brilliant in this film. I think the action is great when it when there is action. We've not talked much about the speed boat chase, which yeah, I think well. perhaps mm. some criticism of, isn't there? That it's long, possibly? Or unscored, or I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, But I love it. I think the climax of that and Adam's death is yeah. so brilliant. And again, it is unscored, but the impact when that music kicks in, when Adam does get splashed in the face or whatever, is so- <gasps> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so, so exciting, though. Another thing we've not mentioned is, obviously we've talked about snakes, but it's got sharks, which is always yeah. exciting. Ooh, yeah, sharks yeah. are brilliant. I really, really love it. And really, a really interesting point about what John says in terms of it being a blueprint for the next film. And I assume, John, you can say, but like not necessarily pl- play for play, if you know what I mean, but in terms of going somewhere on its own, doing its own thing a little bit, but having all that, that balance of Action adventure characters who are interesting. Obviously, in recent bonds, we've had a very small community, a group of characters, but this has mm. got at least a dozen characters, and yeah. some of them hardly have any lines. But it makes for a brilliant world that only live in that film. And I think yeah. if it's things like that, the next one do, then that is definitely the way to go. Absolutely. Absolutely.
5: What was the the speedboat chase Bob? Was that was that like one of the main talking points? I don't know. I mean, is that. There hadn't been much like that i guess in terms of the stunts and the excitement before
6: uh, I'm, I'm not sure about talking points because uh, I, I at the time I can't remember anyone i mean as i say I was I was 13 and nobody at school had been to see it so i've got nobody to talk to about it yes i mean it was it is obviously a big part of the of the the, the film't it all do a bit like the Main center of the film, I, I certainly enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I, I was never bored by it on my resume of the film. I think it's a fantastic Roger Moore entry. As I say, the music carries it right the way through. I, I honestly don't see how they could have made it any a better film. Brilliant! I really don't.
5: Is it amongst your very favorites, then? Bob?
6: Yes, yeah, right, good. Yeah, oh, well, did we mention? Uh, yeah. Yeah, the I'm bus gonna... going
5: under the bridge. The bus. Mm. Ooh. Oh, oh
6: yeah, that was,
1: as a kid, that was one of the standout things. Yeah. It's funny as you get older, where different things you know, you start to focus perhaps on characters more, might reflect on the score. Some of the one liners hit you more as a kid. You know, I'll tell you the three things I remembered from this film as a kid it was the bus going under the bridge, it would be the crocodiles, and it probably would be. The, the the song live and let it die as a kid that's that's what i remember yeah. would, like my dad would say oh this the bus is about to go under the bridge you know come and see this bit you know um and there you go we won't mention it. it's funny how it changes as you get older and, and that's a that's a great moment isn't it it's an iconic cinema mm, yeah. moment there it is oh the very bus <laughs> oh, oh look at that,
7: <laughs> <laughs> that. so good no way
9: I've got the that's bus. So pleasing, and it's not as it's not as impressive, but it's just as good. I have got the yellow cab, uh, oh. which does have the taxi driver in it. A very oh. mini yeah. oh. <laughs> that's a
7: mini really? taxi
9: driver. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, No, 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 he's the one the the first guy. The the try, first guy I'll take you to a Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> yeah.
7: <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. yes. Well, absolutely. <laughs> What? Ah hello Jim? Yeah, Jim. Uh, <laughs> like,
5: no, this, this is a bit uh, this isn't traditional enough for me. Call him Jim now, I don't like that. <laughs> no. But the bus scene is yeah. again John Orty telling us about it and Jane Seymour's in quite a lot of it. And I remember he's like, you can see her screaming in the back of
0: <laughs> the bus <laughs> <sitting
7: around. laughs>
5: A good build-up to it as well with the chase and the swamp and the sort of the, the, the motorbikes coming at him. There's a bit a bit of action there, Matt. I know it's not... Yeah, yeah. No, there is. There is a bit of action. Yeah.
4: yeah. It's No, it's great. It's a great scene. It's it's And it's so iconic. Yeah. I'm not... Yeah, I don't know. I just find it... Somehow, I don't think there's as much action in Guy Hamilton's films as... Yeah. And, you know, you wouldn't ever get, like, one of, I don't know, Lewis Gilbert um, scenes where there's loads of allies, you know, having a huge shootout with... um no, no. no with loads of villains or something but he does he, there are these iconic scenes and these iconic sort of stunts and stuff so yeah I, I, that, I, and that's and the and he's so he's so good at combining it with a bit of an element of sort of light hearted you know the, the yeah. bus the bus thing is just ingenious
5: ingenious <laughs> yeah.
4: yeah
5: because it, it only Bond would think of that as an idea to sort of yeah, yeah go I don't care this will this will work yeah. And the mute, does it do the. T- 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 or I can't- yeah. Yeah. It's class. It's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? And it looks totally authentic on location, the whole thing. You know? oh, yeah. 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 Uh, and th- not, there's th- not th- a th- second th- of bad back projection, by the
1: way, I noticed. No, no, well. no. When, like, oh, when they're in no. vehicles, it looks like they're in vehicles. Yeah. Sure. i that. It, it, I mean, you I even jump forward is. to License to Kill in 89, which, as you know, I, I adore, but there's some bad back projection in that. That's a film made 20 yeah. years later. Yeah. But in this, there's none. I don't, you know, maybe they, all the vehicles are on trailers with the actors in them. I don't know, but they. There's no moments where you go,
8: oh, that's... nice. That yeah.
9: it's true, that.
8: Even when um, he's up in the air, and he's... Because uh, this is one of my favourite moments oh. where I just think... Oh! This man's yeah. James Bond. And oh, he's, yeah. When he's got the cigar. Oh, The oh, yes. hand glider with the cigar. And and then, you know, with the love... The, the clothes. Goodness
7: yeah. gracious
8: oh. me. The clothes are good in this film.
0: Mm,
7: and then um,
8: when he sort of... Again, like
0: knocking
7: yeah.
8: the guy off the cliff with a sort of like, a, I don't know, like a little, it's like a little gentle nudge, like a kind yeah. of like soft drop kick. <laughs> yeah, a, he's trying to be subtle as well, isn't he? In, yeah, it's, he it's absolutely alert. great. I love it. And then the, that whole that whole sequence, I think, is, is my favourite in the movie. The, the cigar, how good it all looks. It all looks brilliant. You're so right, the back projection, if there is any, is just superb. He comes down, knocks the fella off the thing, and then he uh, lands the thing and then switches into an unbelievable oh, base yeah. suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seconds, and it's just, this is my hero yeah. and he will be for the rest of my life. <laughs>
5: <laughs> no. Yeah. Those are the things that make you want to be bombed. Yeah. Like, oh. Not like, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go on. I'll, I'll say, I was going to say something. <laughs> <I> <laughs> you,
4: so yeah. sort of pick up on something maybe Harry was kind of alluding to. This film, perhaps this Man with a Golden Gun, Goldfinger, <laughs> until Licence to Kill, are like the least connected to other Bond films. So you don't have any, there's yeah. no Spectre or anything like that. Mm. And then there's no Cold War and like, you know, mm. um, the other side, you know, seeing Gogol and, you know, and yeah, yeah. the Defence Minister and all that. <laughs> so they're very not connect. you know and and it's just amazing that you can put bond you can you know you can pick him up and put pull... Leons or in the caribbean and there are you know there are villains there that you've never seen before you won't see again yeah and it's just an
5: incredible thing that it can be that it can be like that and it can be so unique we've mentioned guy hamilton a few times but is this is it his second best film is that is that what people generally say isn't it I mean, some might say it's yeah. better than Goldfinger, might they, though?
6: Yeah.
7: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I think traditionally people would probably say Goldfinger, but I don't know. There seems to be quite a lot of love for this film, by the way, on on Twitter. Yeah. It's not yeah. mentioned that much, but whenever I see yeah, it's it mentioned, it's
1: usually, it's usually positive. It's a far more complex film, I mean, uh, from a point of view of directing it and making it happen than Goldfinger, yeah. Yeah. obviously, because the by then they were spending you know three times as much money on it and there were more locations and more stunts and more so from that point of view I suppose you, you could say you know it's Guy Hamilton's greatest Bond film because he brings so much together there's a, so yeah. much in it whereas Goldfinger is a much simpler film it's a fabulous film and Connery's on top form but yeah, it's yeah. it's a simpler film where there's there's so much in this so I suppose it depends on how you view it, it it's it, art, isn't it? When, it? when you get art that's this good, you can't really say one's better than the other. They're just no.
5: Those three films in a row, you know, Diamonds, Thick, the Diamonds, and Man of the Golden Gun, they do all link, but they're all completely their own identity, aren't they? They belong yeah. to their own worlds. Yeah. Really, that's He's really good at that.
9: For me, his biggest strength is his characters. Yeah. Like, every film that he has, his chari- he directs yeah. characters that are larger than life. And are very much only be found in the, that film. So, yeah. like for the Living Let Die villains, you'd only associate those villains with Living Let Die. You'd only yeah. find you'd only find Knickknack. He's a one. He's yeah. a, a one-off villain. You know what yeah. I mean? They're not going to be like villains that you can adapt to different kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. further down. Yeah. Like you... exactly. Winston yeah. Kid. They are one-off villain, and that is his biggest strength by far yeah. to me. Where he's slightly weak is I don't think he's great at telling a story. I think, especially if you look at the Mankovitz written scripts, it's I think it's what Math said about there's loads of iconic scenes in each yeah. of them.
7: Yeah, but the I don't know if
9: great. and the dialogue's great and the characters yeah. are great, but I'm not sure if they're also cohesive to make a full story so to speak and that's why i probably say I think Goldfinger is the best out of them because I think Goldfinger does have a cohesive story throughout it Live and Let Die, I could never tell you which bit goes where I can, yeah, remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, can, I can remember all the scenes completely, <laughs> but I could never tell you which scene comes after the next. And I don't know <laughs> what
8: yeah. it is. You know. yeah, John, I, I don't know whether Mrs. Bell comes before or after the uh, speedboat chase. I can't remember. No, no, idea. Yeah, I know. no idea. And, and yeah. I do think,
9: I think that's point. Hamilton's weak, weakness, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
8: No, I think he's
1: great. He's not my favorite Bond director, but I always think they're making films at the time that are that that are needed at that moment, and actually Yeah. I think every Bond film has ticked every box it needed to tick at that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until the Daniel Craig era. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and to be yeah, fair, yeah. and to be yeah. fair, they pleased a lot of people, so so fair fair play to them too. So uh, <laughs> that's all you can say, and I think it's I think it's really well directed. What you said there about it you, you can't always quite remember where things fit. I get what you're saying, but I do wonder if that is uh, because films were getting more set pieces. And as mm. we learned, kind of basically who have a story is provided yeah. and then from hearing directors speak, it seems like the directors then come up with set pieces to slot in to give you these action scenes. That can break it up all, whereas Goldfinger has got less set pieces in it because it's an earlier Bond film. Yeah. So all the films, the more they put action sequences in, they're kind of slotting them into the story. The story exists already. And then they go, What? Well, how do we get this action scene in this? And you've heard mm. some John Glenn talk about how he'd write up an action scene. Um, so I wonder if that can actually sometimes that make point. the film a little bit choppy because they're broken up by the action being slotted in to the story. Yeah. But no, I thought it was great. I mean, I think if I was going to summarise the film, I would say it's it, you, you, you get some of the best iconography in any of the Bond films, so many visual moments from the supernatural. You get a film that's really down to earth, really believable, and yet has these flourishes of magical supernatural just thrown in, and it manages to pull them off, which I find astounding. Uh, It's got some terrific dialogue in it. It's got such memorable characters, so many villains that we spoke about, and Mm. you never feel like, oh, why are there so many villains? Because Mm. they all fit together brilliantly. Mm. And and I think we just get flourishes of what is going to make Roger Moore one of the best James Bonds ever. And to and together I think it's a it's a terrific film. It's not one of my favorite Rogers because I probably love all the John Glenn ones, and I love the Spy, I love I love Boomerang, I love Mamma Goldman. I love all the yeah. other <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> things so much. Yeah. Uh, oh, the music. This has got one of my favorite scores. So it's really weird when I talk yeah. about it. I can name things that are my favorite in all of them. I don't think it's Roger's best as a performance, I've said, but I do think you start seeing why Roger is brilliant. Mm. So I think it's, I think it's a, it's a wonderful film, and it's, it's so much to enjoy in it, and yeah,
5: and what a way to start your bonding. Another scene that just sprung to mind that we haven't really mentioned the uh, You do believe in the cards. I mean, really believe in them. I mean that <laughs> the lovers and uh, that, yeah, was, even as kids, that was hilarious. I mean, it's
7: probably completely.
5: Cancellable behaviour now, isn't it, by Bob? Yeah. Uh,
7: <laughs> well, it really,
5: really is. Resisting. Oh no, that's no. I can never. I don't. We don't like to rank always, do we? And
8: no, the but game, and you love them all. I, I,
7: but,
5: yeah. yeah, I do. I
8: do wholeheartedly love them all most. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Uh, this is top five, I think.
7: For wow, yeah. brilliant! Right, brilliant.
8: Because I, yeah. yeah. I think there's so much unique about it and i think it's executed so so well roger is staggeringly brilliant everything we've talked about here and and I, all i would do i think really is if i carried on is just talk about everything we talked about in the last couple of mm, hours yeah yeah it's yeah. just why i love the film more than that i think this is just it's a brave and bold um, addition uh, to a franchise that already had its feet under the table um but i think because it did something different did something different with a different actor and really uh it didn't like try to bash you over the head that things are different now you know yeah, we've yeah. grown up we're doing something different now mm-hmm. this was just it it started yeah. the movie just started and you you're in that world and you are in the character you're, you're with the character right the way through so much of it is done with subtle greatness
7: can i say <laughs> <laughs> <Subtle> yes? <Yeah. greatness. laughs>
8: And uh, I just I, I just only look at this with just massive fondness. Um, mm. Like so many things, I think there's, you know, people will always point out that, oh, there's problems, you know, problems in, you know, earlier James Bond films. I'm not sure there's a problem here. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't see many problems here. There's nothing too much problematic. And I think it's really ahead of its time. We talked recently. Uh, I read a reading a book about the uh, Dennis Lehane's Small Mercy, about the uh, 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 state of Boston when they integrated schools in 1972. Everyone was up in arms that whites and blacks would go to school together. This was a, like a year later,
7: <laughs> you know, like just just yep. like, unbelievable.
8: Mm-hmm. Like just yeah, we're doing our own thing here. We're gonna show you know we're gonna show. The real uh, sort of temperature of social movement, and um, we're just going to go with it. You know that kind of thing, and I, I just think it's brilliant for it. So I, I, I adore this film for so, so many ways. But the principal reason I enjoy this film and like it as much as I do, and rate it as high as I, I just have a brilliant time with it every single
7: time. Yeah, yeah,
8: and I love it for that. And I think it's one of the t- one of those films that you can show the whole family, and they will enjoy it. Mm. Um, we yeah. even had a, a, a chap come over. <laughs> and say, wow, your kids were really well-behaved do that, and I nearly said, can I hug you? Are <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we best friends now? <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it, it held their attention, and not many two-hour blockbusters, well, you don't get many two-hour blockbusters anymore, do you really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but not yeah. many more two-hour action-adventure ad- action films would do that. So, yeah, this holds the highest category for me.
4: Nice. Greatness. Ever since I've been a child, this has felt like, i just got so much fondness for this film. I almost feel partly responsible for it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, when you're younger, you don't know whether whether this is... You don't put them in order in terms of when they were made. You know, you've no idea. that It's just another Roger one. But yeah, I I think, you know, we've made the points. I think there's some some incredibly iconic things about this film that uh, are, are very Bond, but also very unique to this film. Yeah, yeah. I can't speak highly enough of it. I think it's weird that we don't talk about it more than we more than we do on the pod. I just think it's got so much so much going for it, and it's just wonderful to be able to to share in that love um, as we have been able to today.
9: I think this film is completely one on its own, completely unique, and yet very much ingrained in the Bond canon. And I think that that's quite a that's quite a unique position to do. That it is very unique, but it's not a black sheep in any kind of way whatsoever. I mean, it even just things like, see, is is am I right in saying it? it's the only James Bond film in New York City? Oh wow!
1: Like, like the <laughs> only
9: James Bond film in the biggest city in the world, you that know? And insane. I and mean, yeah. it's just just things like that that you know, it's a, it's crazy. It's got so much imagination about it. The characters superb the dialogue there's so many memorable quotes in it some of it's dated okay fine but it's absolutely brilliant I I think I don't think you can underestimate how Roger fits in like a hand to in a glove uh for his first film and and it's not his best performance but it was it's understated in ways that's the right way that people come away thinking James Bond continues rather yeah. than Where's Connery? And i and and, mm. and I think you can't underestimate that. The score is easily my favourite non-barry score in the in the in the uh whole of the series. I think I have it my fourth favourite score in right. in the whole of the yeah, I think I think only Majesty's Daylights and View to a Kill I prefer as scores to Living Let Die. I think Living Let Die, Thunderball those next two that I really love. I, I there's so much I love about it. I think Solitaire's great. I find it a really hard one to rank. You know, I do find it hard because it's, (laughs) I love it, but there's so like little things, you know, here and there that I just, I I, I can't place it anywhere. I just don't know where to place it. But ultimately I'm indebted to it because it's the first ever James Bond film that I saw. And the reason I got into James Bond and I don't give that enough credit. So Thank you, live and let die. <laughs> yeah. I mean...
4: yeah. Just, to, just to emphasize two points that you made there, John, it showed that, you know, as much as we all absolutely adore and cannot understate the impact of Sean Connery and John Barry, mm. there is life beyond, yeah. there is life yeah. and bond beyond those two incredible, incredible people.
9: It's true, that Spot on. I
5: can't believe we haven't said It's 50 years old. <laughs> oh,
4: yeah, yeah. I
1: can't
7: believe uh,
5: it. Happy I mean, birthday!
7: Yeah, ha-
1: happy birthday! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does not it's, look half a century old. Does it, it doesn't. I don't know half century old no. Means, no. Really, but it just doesn't look that old.
5: And it's not aged in terms of like Rob says. You, you can show it to your kids. You can't show yeah. many films from 1973. I don't mean in terms of even PG or U ones. It's like they don't really work, do they? You know, they well, don't translate anymore, but this really does and it's that i can't remember what order it's in i don't know what's going on half the time but i'm thoroughly entertained we haven't even yeah. mentioned the cigar to kill the snake i mean how does that <laughs> yeah <laughs> the music symbol is that the bomb theme yeah when he does it yeah yeah Just, oh. Yeah, ten on ten, all these scenes, and I think when we did do our rankings, well, you know, years ago now, I think it was top ten, was it? Yeah, even though we haven't really, I think it was about eight or nine, even though we'd barely mentioned it. <laughs> it was secretly, one of our favourites, and not such a secret now. But yeah, <laughs> but I think it's great that Octopusy probably got more attention for its anniversary because I think partly things were going on in England with the you know Neen Valley and things. the were events going on. And Octopussy needs more love. But Live and Let Die has become one of the most iconic, one of the most famous Bond films, particularly for people, I think, who were there at the time. It really, it was a massive box office success, enormous. Like for inflation, I think it's maybe fifth or something like that. So don't underestimate that as well. And I think watching it now, 50 years later, okay, we weren't there the first time. It's just so good that we've still got these films. We can celebrate them and we're going to show them to the, the next generation. We have them already. So yeah, mm. can't wait. For... Here. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday.
4: Hi,
2: I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.